This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Welcome to another episode of Hafta. Today we are joined by Patricia Mukhim. Thrilled to have you Patricia. Hi. Hi, hi. Uh, before I introduce the rest of the panel, just I Patricia do a regular call out to keep news independent and free. So people newslaundry.com is an ad free news platform we appreciate those of you who can contribute this podcast hafta is free for the next few weeks till we move to our new website but if you can do contribute and once it's behind the paywall to access it you will have to contribute so until then do so willingly happily last week we saw a spike in subscription thank you all who did we're really grateful your contributions your subscriptions power the journalism we, journalism we do i hope you have been seeing our reports we've got some fantastic ground reports so do follow those and check out what else news laundry does other than the hafta podcast so before we come to the headlines uh, let me introduce patricia patricia mukhim is a writer journalist and is the editor right now of shillong times uh, she's known for her social activism and writings on mining in meghalaya and the khasi people of the state she's a member of the national security advisory board of the government of india and serves as a member of the National Foundation for Communal Harmony under the Ministry of Home Affairs. Patricia is also a member of the Education Board of the Indian Institute of Mass Communications, IMC, where I think some of our colleagues are from IMC, aren't they, Manisha? I am. You are? Okay. Okay, then, uh, Patricia, you need to do a better job there. You no, are, no, you are, I you're was. Churn, you're churning I out was. people like Manisha for us. Yeah. <laughs> and I completed my tenure immediately after the government, uh, you know, changed. No? <laughs> I see. Okay, okay. And you're also uh, the recipient of the Chamili Devi Jain Award and the Upendra Nath Brahma Soldier of Humanity Award and North East Excellence Award. You also honor the Padma Shri. So, do I call you Padma Shri Patricia Mukherjee? No, no, or? no, 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 no. Please do away with all those frills. <laughs> okay, fine. So, Patricia, first of all, um, where are you based out of? I'm based out of Shillong, the I capital see. of Meghalaya. Right. So actually Shillong was one of the first few places that I visited in the northeast when I was really young. I was there I was in class 10 or 9 or 10 mm-hmm. and back then you know uh, the Delhi and the Dehradun I'm a Dehradun boy of the okay. 80s was not very hip and happening. Even the Bombay of the 80s and 90s was not very hip and happening. But Shillong man <laughs> I went out on the streets and I like guys in these leather jackets and headbands I was like dude no one even in marine drive can dare to dress like that you'll be like slapped by some <laughs> you know local and uh, shillong was a really cool place back then you know wasn't it yes yes it was it, it was had a, and, and it had like past. a rock scene and it had a, like music scene and it had all sorts of scenes that no other metro in delhi had i was like this should be a metro man but it wasn't back then but we are also joined by mehraj loan hi mehraj hello manisha pande hello uh, raman sir is joining us he's not feeling well uh, although we don't think it is covid so you people need not panic uh, he's just i think got a bit of the mountain hawa when he went and he worked too hard cleaning <laughs> out his house so i think that got him so patricia uh, before we come to you we'd like to discuss a bunch of things but first manisha i'll just give us the headlines that made news this week yes former president of india pranam mukherjee died at the age of 84 he was cremated with full state honors india recorded the world's highest single day spike in cases in coronavirus with 83000 fresh cases over the past 24 hours we've had three journalists die in two days two of them uh, in very scary circumstances i'd say because there was a delay in ambulance this was in lucknow and in pune 
Uh, meanwhile, India's GDP shows worst quarterly slump in decades. It's been the worst since we started publishing data in 1996. The GDP contracted 23.9%. 877 newborns and 61 pregnant women died in Meghalaya in the last four months. Patricia will, of course, talk to us about that. Before 2019 polls, BJP flagged 44 rival pages, 14 now off Facebook. The Facebook saga continues. And incidentally, Amit Malve also asked Facebook to monetize Op India. So we now know there's a direct connect. What do you call that? Hum, you know, like. Hum ek saath hai. Hum saath saath hai. I was going to say hum safar, but no. Okay. <laughs> Basically. Okay. Facebook bans BJP MLAT Raja Singh. Prashant Bhushan was asked to pay rupees 1 or face 3 months jail term and he paid rupees 1. Cabinet approves Karam Yogi's scheme for government officials. None of us really know what exactly this scheme is going to do for them. It's just going to make them better human beings. Former civil servants, activists, Jamia teachers have demanded action against Suresh Javhanke. News Laundry had done a story calling out the advertisers that have, uh, you know, been advertising on the show which led to Un, unintentionally it led to a huge backlash on Twitter and there was boycott Amul trending for a whole day hmm. uh, Amul also then got back I mean I read a live mint article I don't know if you guys read it where Amul uh, said that we don't want to get drawn into this controversy but I read Santosh Desai's comment in it which he said that you have to start being careful it can't hmm. be so it's, it's nice that the industry is talking yeah. beginning to talk about news it. on re-impact yeah hmm. JEE exams were held on Tuesday they went off smoothly across the country PM Cares Fund received rupees 3,076 crore in five days of March, reveals audit statement made public. In JNK, 99% new domiciles issued to former permanent residence certificate holders, says the government. Uh, there were gory images again coming in from Kashmir where a, process- a Muharram procession was fired at with pellet guns. About 30 people are being treated as we speak. Jammu and Kashmir Language Bill 2020 approved by Cabinet. Mehraj can tell us a bit about that. There will be no question R and private members' bill will not be taken up in Parliament's upcoming monsoon session. Although I saw in the news today, they're saying that we'll have a shorter question R or something. I think that's still being negotiated. They're saying, okay, we won't do away with it. We'll have it a shorter question R. And you can email I... your questions. Something yeah. like that. Although the private members' bill Private members' bill is fine, but question R, I think. That, I agree. I mean, you have to have a question R sure. looking at the GDP numbers. Adani Group acquires 74% stake in Mumbai International Airport. Kafil Khan has finally been released. He's uh, from the jail. The high court uh, cleared him of the NSA charges. Turns out he was actually saying things in towards for national, for unity. national unity, not, not but for that, that But that is, depends on your sensibility. Yeah. If your aesthetic sensibility is from the yogi school of art, yeah. then that's not that's that's not building bonds. That is breaking stuff. So anyway. Hmm. The centre said that Netflix movie Gunjan Saxena depicts IAF in bad light. The High Court, the Delhi High Court for now has refused a stay on the streaming. Mm. Indian Army has foiled the third attempt by China to change LAC status quo. So clearly things are still as volatile as they were three months ago at the border. US has said that we will not join global efforts to find COVID-19 vaccines. Sab China ke bharose. <laughs> mm. Although, um, I, anyway, I'll recommend that at the end of the podcast, there is a piece that has, you know, I tweeted out yesterday on COVID vaccine, while Europe has made all the right noises, that they will make sure that it's available to everybody and not just the rich countries. Hmm. Uh, that's not what's happening behind the scenes. There's already a, a trading has, has started and, and there is a uh, index uh, where people, countries are bidding and you know, just taking care of their own. But let's see how it plays out. But those are the headlines. Thank you, Manisha, for that. So, uh, Patricia, tell us a about this particular case, uh, you know, which made the headlines yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it unique or is it just 
the data for Meghalaya is out, therefore we're seeing it. Do you know or suspect it would be similar in many other parts of the country and not just in the states in the Northeast? And in non-COVID times, are things any different or better? Those are really hard questions. But I would like to tell you one thing. Let me read out something from statistics uh, provided by the government of, government of Meghalaya. So between April to July 2019, the neonatal deaths were 425. And between April to July this year, it was 486. So there's a, there's a rise of 61 deaths. Infant deaths, 1 to 12 months, April to Ju July 2019 was 265. This year it is 390. So it's a rise of 125 deaths. Then total infant deaths of 0 to 12 months, April to July 2019, it was 690. This year it is 876. So there's a jump of 186. Maternal deaths were 59 last year, this year 63, so there are four, four additional deaths. Institutional delivery, and this is the biggest challenge that Meghalaya faces. Uh, last year, they had 59% institutional deliveries. This year, it's gone down to 57%. And uh, full immunization of children last year was 71%. Interestingly, this year, it's gone up to 89%. Now, there are many, many problems with uh, maternal deaths, maternal and infant deaths in Meghalaya. If you have been following statistics, then after Assam, it's Meghalaya that has the highest maternal mortality. And the reasons are many, but mainly it's poor maternal nutrition, the socioeconomic factors. This is what uh, even the government uh, statistics have found. I mean, the government studies. There is very low maternal knowledge, and I can say this uh, with some authority because I was involved with a local university here in going to the villages to create awareness on the use of condom, you know, on spacing for women so that they don't just give birth every year. You know, in Meghalaya, in, in the villages, the average family size is about eight or nine or ten. Wow. Some people give birth to as many as 12 children. There's no spacing. There's very Poor nutrition, about 56% of women in the childbearing years are anemic. So if you put all these factors together, you get the results that you see. There's absolutely no spacing. And when we, we went to these villages, you know, to train them, we had taken a dildo because we wanted to demonstrate that. And you can't believe it. The women were shying away. They said, why are you showing us all this? In any case, we cannot negotiate sex. Because if we do not agree to have sex, the man will go elsewhere. This is also the problem with Meghalaya, that marriages and these, um, they are very, very fragile. We have people who marry formally, but we also have many more people who just live together. And these are recognized as formal marriages. But abandonment is very, very high. And a woman thinks that if she does not agree to have sex with her husband, then he might abandon her for someone else. And so under those pressures, women just sort of give in. Then uh, there is a lot of teenage pregnancies in Meghalaya, and there is no stigma. You, you have a child out of wedlock, there's no stigma. We also have the highest fertility rate in the country, and we have the highest proportion of preschool children in the country, which is about 19.5% of the state's population. Then... Mm. Uh, we used to have a very strong clan system 
which enabled us to take the shocks of being abandoned by a man. The other members of the family would help, would come in and maybe help in, in schooling the kids. But now the clan system has broken down. It's each to his own. And when you go to some of these areas, even in Shillong, you find so many single women actually working to keep body and soul together. Most times they cannot afford to send their kids to school. And just today in our newspaper, we published a letter sent to us by somebody who said she's a prostitute and she's past class 12. She has two kids, is not able to get a proper job. So she just has to sell her body. And she says, this must be the first time you're getting a letter from somebody like me. But we published it because we felt it needed to be published. So it, it, it becomes a, a kind of a vicious cycle because once a mother is malnourished, the child that she gives birth to is also malnourished. So it sets up a kind of and chain reaction, right? A domino. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you have malnourished children being born, then there is stunting then, um, you know, the brain doesn't develop as it should develop. And also, we have lost our traditional diets because of globalization. We've lost so much of our land to coal mining, limestone mining. Earlier on, the forest uh, produce would be part of our diets. You know, mushrooms and all, you can still gather and, and have them. Now, with the loss of forest cover, you don't get many of these uh, non-timber forest products, leaves and herbs and all that, which used to be part of our diet. And then um, there is also this, you know, this lack of trust in vaccines. People think that uh, if they immunize their kids, their kids will develop some kind of uh, fever and, you know, even die. So there's so, an anti-vaxxer movement there also. But yeah, Trisa, tell me, yeah. is this unique to Meghalaya or is this also true for Arunachal and Nagaland, or is Meghalaya an outlier as far as teen pregnancies are concerned, as far as undernourishment on you know young mothers no, is no. concerned? No, it's the same. It's the same in it's similar. societies. You, you mean it's similar in many of those states? Yeah, 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 yeah. Except that, you know, statistics are statistics. Some states are notorious for giving <laughs> giving out the wrong statistics. So <laughs> that is right. that's a problem. Yeah. Now, you know, I have actually uh, up until I think 2012 or 2013, I visited Shillong almost every year from 2000, like 2001 onwards. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And of course, I've seen it change. It's, you know, from from a small town feel, it's become this traffic jams and all, yeah, uh, which yeah. I one never used to have earlier. Mm. But and, you know, even while driving across Arunachal, Nagaland, you don't see the visible poverty that you do in parts of UP or even Punjab for that matter. You know, like the, jisko hain, ekdam wo dar yeah, dar yeah. kind of, you know, it hits huh. you in the face. It's like you have to turn your face away. You don't see that mm -hmm. in almost any so state in the a, Northeast. It's, it's so a just sort explain. Of disguised poverty but, here. But why is it that, you know, one hears so much of it from you, but one doesn't see it? Everyone, while everyone's not like living in the lap of luxury, but you don't see mm -hmm. the horrific poverty you do in many parts of the cow belt. No, but uh, have you visited the interiors of Meghalaya or the interiors of Nagaland? Well, I mean, I've been to a few villages like, you know, up from Dirang, we had gone into, a, you know, some of the other smaller villages, which are okay. just maybe 50, uh -huh. 60 houses, some 30 houses. So, and in fact, uh, the it was the head village headman who actually gave us a room because there are no hotels there, right? Mm -hmm. So we slept in a room in his home. Mm -hmm. And he served us, you know, that yak meat and all that. So, and I saw that they're very old women working, cutting wood, you know, mm -hmm. like women who are really old. I was like, dude, 
surely she should not be cutting wood and carrying wood to burn mm-hmm. but even so i i didn't see the kind of poverty that i i've seen in the villages of up bihar and 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 madhya pradesh yeah we don't have starvation deaths as yet but some of the statistics are worrying because the the last socio economic caste census taken in 2011 has shown that 76% of rural meghalaya is landless now this is supposed to be a community based society it's supposed to be a matrilineal society where women should are supposed to have place of pride but all that is is now debunked by studies conducted time after time because the studies have shown that women actually have no authority to take uh, decisions on reproduction they have no reproductive rights so if you don't have that then you really are not an empowered woman then that adds to the problem because then you also uh, you know you 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 become part of the low income group and there is a very high dropout rate of children in meghalaya why because of poverty because education requires money so you may not be seeing this up front especially i think uh, if you come to shillong shillong has now developed slums in different parts and these are the places where you would see poverty yeah you there were no slums in shillong out and, yeah. and selling you know selling bookmarks for 5 rupees i mean a bookmark that costs only 50 paisa is being sold for 2 rupees or 5 rupees and if you ask them why they are out on the streets they'll say we can't afford to go to school then where's your where are your parents my mother goes to work where's father father has left this father has left is is a very common uh, response right once a man leaves he just leaves doesn't pay maintenance and because we are matrilineal so the children remain with the mother and and mm. the mother is the one who has to carry all this burden on her own if there are any other questions because i wanted yeah. to ask patricia about the general media state there but on this issue if there are any others we can just ask those and no actually more. i wanted to ask her about the shillong times being served a notice and for those of our listeners who don't know shillong times is the oldest uh, broadsheet english newspaper from the northeast i think it's 75 years 75 old, years old. Yeah. and patricia recently you were sent a notice and you were asked to shut down because you guys weren't following covid guidelines yeah. so i was i was keen uh, on so and we you shut down for 4 days from the 23rd onwards and we came out only on the 27th and even today we are printing from guwahati because uh, three of our machine uh, people had tested uh, positive and one driver none of the journalistic staff uh, tested positive but then they all had to be under quarantine and all but we felt that you know because we are an essential service we just felt that perhaps the district administration was unduly strict about how we we should and should not do things so our whole building was sealed and uh, and but even before the you know the the, the district administration could come on the scene you have these uh, local traditional institutions they already came out and the volunteers just barred us from entering the office so we you know in in meghalaya we have different hierarchies exercising different rights and this is what uh, we feel is not a very good idea because we live in a democracy i think uh, we ought to be governed by the rules of democracy and not by these oligarchs and you know which tend to so but you're back to printing huh yeah 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 we we okay. pub- we started uh, publishing from the 27th but we are doing it from we had to get a paper printed in guwahati which is quite difficult actually 
And what is the law there? So if there's someone in your staff who's tested positive, the building gets sealed or is there a number, a certain number of people? Like what were the reasons no, why no, you were sent this notice? No, no, even if one person tests positive, the whole building gets sealed. I guess because for a long time it was insulated, right? So they, yeah. I guess in the northeast, yeah. the states wanted because to keep it that way. Because people were trying to, you know, there is some sort of a competition about keeping the numbers low. I don't know if this is good or bad because finally the numbers will go up. Now it's become a community spread. And then when the numbers go up, then the government will be blamed. And so the government thinks that by, by trying to keep the numbers down and bringing in all kinds of restrictions, it will score many more marks. I don't Although know, in the public it, view, of course. India's the third largest numbers in the world without community spread. Yes. Which our government <laughs> refused to acknowledge. Land well, of miracles. Was it a WHO uh, paper which someone had mentioned that India community spread and the Indian government got very angry that take it off and <laughs> they changed it. Yeah, because they put out that daily bulletin. Hmm. So India is the only country which doesn't have community spread. Okay, but but, but yet we are number three. So even that, like Bhutan with only a thousand or two thousand cases. Community has, spread. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, Patricia, so what is the situation spread. like in... Uh, Northeast now, COVID-wise? COVID-wise? Yeah. Uh, see, Tripura is, is doing very badly. The, the numbers are just going up there. Uh, Meghalaya is relatively under control. Nagaland seems to have been able to control it relatively. And Arunachal also is under control. Assam, of course, is very bad. I don't have the latest figures. You can, you can, you can see it. So it's like that. And uh, in Arunachal, it's, it's very funny. You know, people in, in quarantine are then getting out and, and dancing to, you know, to sort of do away with all the the dismal situation. The, the stress, de-stress yeah. by dancing, which is a good idea as long as you're doing it with social distancing. Yeah, they're doing it social, they're, they're, they're socially distancing and dancing and they're very unique. Actually, you should do some stories from Arunachal Pradesh. <laughs> a good idea. But now tell me, uh, Prashisya, uh, I, uh, you know, like I said, I, I traveled there extensively and I really love mm -hmm. In yeah. many parts of the northeast, yeah. I wanted your view on a uh, you know when um, Amit Shah had kind of mentioned um, after section three seventy was Jammu and Kashmir ka tha, abrogation mm -hmm. abrogation mm -hmm. and then uh, because there is an ILP which is for those of our listeners who don't know is an L nine permit that is required for Arunachal and not for Meghalaya but many yeah. other parts yeah. of yeah. of the northeast yeah. which Mizoram uh, Arunachal now. There was a certain concern there that, you know, even here there are some special provisions for the northeastern states, including the ILP and also land ownership. Mm -hmm. What is your view and the general consensus there of the politics that plays out in Delhi? Does it have a significant impact? Are states in the northeast as scared of governments as far as the media is concerned? Uh, you know, we've seen the state of the Delhi media and many other states, including Kolkata. Depending on which state you are, everybody is scared of, you know, criticizing their mm -hmm, government. Mm -hmm. On that scale, are the states, you know, northeast of Bengal, are they outliers? Are they at par with the rest of the country? Or are things better or worse over there? No, no, we are, we are as afraid, we are as scared of the CAA. And we have all protested very loudly, the whole of Northeast, which was why we were so shocked when Agatha Sangma, the MP from Meghalaya, went and voted for CAA. So hmm. there was a huge outcry here in Meghalaya. See, the thing is that uh, we feel we are, we, are, we are too small to be assimilated. And once you open up, somebody like a, an Ambani could buy up the whole state of Meghalaya. Right. As it is, we are battling this uh, coal mafia, 
the limestone lobby, you know, because we feel that uh, these minerals are not given to, to this place to be so misused to the point of uh, people dying inside those rat hole mines and not being rescued for days. And, and this has been happening over the years. It's only in December 2018 that it became big news because somebody got out of that hole alive and alive to tell the story. So the, the way the rat hole mining has been going on, the way the deforestation has been going on, the, even without uh, the CAA. So, you know, once CAA comes in, then there will be this huge exploitation of the natural resources of this region. And this region is a biodiversity hotspot. I don't know how we can live if we, you know, if we just open up the economy to all kinds of marauders. This right. has become kind of a playbook. We are just as afraid as the rest of India about the, you know, the stringency on the media. We are afraid. We are, you know, looking behind our backs to see if we are doing the right thing. Sometimes you have to be careful with the words you use because you unnecessarily get dragged into the law courts. You know, we've been through a lot of problems. We've been through contempt of court and this and that and the other. And at the end of the day, the only person who stands with you is your lawyer. Everybody else can can be sympathetic, but they're not there to stand with you throughout, yeah? Uh, uh, Mehraj was making a point. I, I was, she was talking about the mining bit. So this has sort of become a playbook in Kashmir also, after the abrogation. All the contracts for sand and boulder mining have gone to outsiders. All of them. So there's no Kashmir who got no. In fact, you guys are speaking about mining. Uh, the Modi government is going to introduce reforms, quote-unquote, into yeah. the new law, which will basically make a lot of illegal mining legal. What yes. was considered legal, like extraction at the spot or flouting environmental laws. And I think they just have, they've given 10 days for everyone to respond to that. Also, and if uh, that law comes, then you're practically, it's free for all. We are currently working on a piece uh, about the master plan, Srinagar master plan 2035. Mm -hmm. It's basically, I mean, the whole idea, if you really look at it, is to take the people out of there and just make it this tourist place, this sanitized tourist place without mm -hmm. the people. Really Interesting. scary. Now, uh, you know, Patricia, uh, before we discuss some of the other stuff, you know, when I uh, traveled uh, all along the Northeast over about 25, 30 days, we we start from Kolkata and we traveled across the Seven Sisters and we spent a lot of time, not just in the capitals, but in the smaller towns and villages mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just remember the name of the village was Thembang, where I spent one of the nights uh, in okay. Arunachal, I think it was. Um, okay. One recurring theme that I got, and I'm talking, this was between 2010 and 2012, I went there a few times. Okay. That if we have disagreements or even if there's land-related issues or law-related issues, we like to settle it between tribes. We don't yes. like the police and the administration to get involved. So yes. my yes. feeling was that this place can't be kind of tamed if, you know, I was to use a word which is inaccurate but communicates, you know, the sentiment. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite surprised when you say that so many parts of the Northeast too have fallen in line with the diktats that are expected to come out of the government. I would have thought that's the last place which will fall in line. You know, I'd say like, you know, Kurg would fall in line, the Jats would fall in line, but, but the Northeast would not. So I'm surprised when you say that even that place has fallen in line. No, but what do you mean by falling in line? That we too, have resisted the CAA. No, no, I'm talking about the media. Like, you know, when you say that oh, even the media, the media... Oh, sorry, sorry. So I was, no, no, you know, no. just the, culturally, it's such a combative kind of culture. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm surprised that this entire sickness has even kind of infiltrated that place. It's not as if we've cowed down to anything or that we don't publish anti-government stories, especially anti-central government stories. We still do. 
But what I'm trying to say is that this climate of fear and apprehension, it does tend to sort of, you know, worry you a bit. You don't know whose feet you are stepping on. And um, of course, you, you try to be brave, you try to, but then you, you also look around you and find everybody is complying and you, you're sticking out like a sore thumb. But of course, at least when I, when I speak about the Shillong Times, I know that we still maintain our integrity, our independence. Complete, we have completely independent views. Right. Now, I'd just like to move on to uh, our late president. Uh, but before that, I had a couple of announcements. One was, we are recording this on Thursday, the 3rd of September at 12.30 in the afternoon. So that's the timestamp. Anything that happens after this uh, will not be featured in the hafta. And also, for those of you who are not subscribers, because we are on YouTube for the next two, three weeks at least, maybe a little more, till you pull us behind the paywall. We have the Tiranga soap set, which is a wonderful herbal soap set, which was a part of the package with subscriptions of News Laundry for the month of the independence, which is the orange, the jasmine, and the lemongrass soap, which is a saffron white green. Lovely theme. Sabki dhulai. This is for subscribers only. You can write into us at contact at News Laundry. And if you want just that, if even if you want to gift it, and we'll be actually putting out a lot of really cool stuff for subscribers only that you can, uh, you know, uh, buy. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that. And in case you want to gift it to any of your friends, but you have to be a subscriber to actually uh, get any of that. And also to our subscribers, we now have a Kerala group, a WhatsApp group. We had a Europe group. We had an Australia, New Zealand group. We had a US group. We had a Canada group. We have NCR, Bombay. We have, you know, WhatsApp groups. And the idea of these groups is to keep you informed of any new features, any new products that News Laundry is, you know, rolling out. And of course, events. There are no events happening right now, but back in the day, it was for events. So if any of you want to be added to these groups, do write to contact at newslaundry.com with whichever city or state you're in. And if we do have enough people in that city or state to start a group, or if there's already an existing group, we'll add you to that group. Uh, now I'll just include a couple of mails and then move on to Pranam Mukherjee's, you know, death and the legacy he leaves behind and how it was covered. This mail is by Samir Hassan. Also, I had requested all of you, please keep your mails below 400 words. So thank you. Most of you have. Some of you haven't. I'll be a little lax with the rule this time, but from next time, we will strictly enforce the 400 word rule. Samir says, following you since 2014 and you like our stuff. So thank you, Samir. Uh, Atul's NL Tippani is phenomenal. No offense to Manisha. And please invite the Panjalan Hafta. None taken. So, on Bangalore violence, Samir has written, uh, when Abhinandan talks about the UP minister and his bounty, in 2015, Azam Khan made some remarks about RSS members and in retaliation, Kamlesh Tiwari said something about the Prophet. As emotional fools, most Muslims got irked. At that time, I asked the question to a lot of people in the community, why are we not putting any accountability on Azam Khan as his bad-mouthing has started this whole episode? So yes, there is negligence to put one amongst ourselves in the box. From Rushdie to Charlie Hebdo and beyond, most of the time you will find behind these incidents there will be an amalgam of political forces and uneducated, unemployed people. Look at how blasphemy law in Pakistan has become a fiasco. Mm -hmm. I disagree with Mehraj that Islam has borrowed the idea of blasphemy from Christian theology. I highly recommend the talk on YouTube, cartoons and lampoons defining the boundaries of political satire and prophetic respect. For understanding the blasphemy in Islam and to dispel the notion that Islam doesn't allow critique, people should read... Religion as critique, Islam critical thinking from Mecca to the marketplace. On the Ayodhya verdict, people should watch Professor Faisan Mustafa's Legal Awareness web series. 
where he critically examined the whole Ayodhya issue. And on Kamala Harris, whenever someone with Indian origin achieves something in the Western countries, most Indians go gaga and think it's all his her achievement. It's only because Indian genes and it has nothing to do with the institutions of those countries. Instead of talking about the pathetic state of our institutions, we talk about the person. Put the same person here, God knows where he, she will end up. And for me, biopics worth watching are Bandit Queen and Pan Singh Tomar. Thank you, Samir, for your email and for your subscriptions and for your recommendations. I do hope, I will just repeat the recommendations. One is a YouTube talk called Cartoons and Lampoons, Defining the Boundaries of Political Satire. The second is Religion as Critique, Islamic Critical Thinking from Mecca to the Marketplace. And the third thing you've recommended is Faizan Mustafa's Legal Awareness web series. So also I'd like to add that uh, Charlie Hebdo on the fourth, uh, on the fifth yeah. anniversary of, actually it's not an anniversary, it is that case has gone to the court. I think The hearing the, begins. The hearing begins and they've republished those cartoons mm. uh, as a mark of defiance. And in fact, the, Quite a... the BBC um, podcast had an interesting take on that. But just uh, one small point about the what I said about the Christian theology, that is actually the case. Because if you see the idea of blasphemy is not in the scripture. It's not a scriptural this thing, it's a theological thing. And the theological thing, how it came about is when they interpreted, the theologians interpreted certain verses of the Quran or the prophetic traditions. So they imported and sort of interpreted in the context of blasphemy that was there in the Christian theology. Okay. Then this mail is from Shahala Khan. Shahala says, overjoyed to hear and hear you read my letter on an al-hafta and accepted my request to contribute to the period leave. So Shahala has written a piece. Do check it out. It's on newslaundry.com. She's a subscriber and she had listened to our discussion on period leave and wrote a way more informed piece than I could ever write. Yeah, you can all read it. So you can all read it. And any specifics on that, Manisha, that you want to talk about that we had not I discussed? Was quite, I was interested in uh, the uh, examples that she's given from across the world. Hmm. For example, in uh, Zimbabwe, uh, they call the period leave the mother's day leave. Mother leave. Oh. Mother leave. Okay. Just to, mother because, you know, leave. I mean, not all people who menstruate become mothers or want to become mothers. But this is just to sort of destigmatize. I think I also think one interesting point that she made to counter this why it shouldn't be called Mother's Day is that while maternity leave is still looked up as I mean, I think men are still more comfortable with the idea of it because motherhood is exalted as this great ideal and you know, we're all sympathetic towards mothers or the idea of becoming a mother. But period is still considered a taboo topic. It's something that you don't really talk about a eh? or it's and and people still have notions of dirt and stuff like that so there is a big challenge when it comes to period leave versus say maternity leave simply because how we view these two natural processes right the couple of points i like the most is about what we were talking about that day when you said productivity market only believes in productivity it, it doesn't care what is right or not so she says there's actually a case to be made a business case to be made for this it's good for business another key point is that no matter how good a law, no matter how good your intentions, if that thing, if for Not example, period well. is a one implementation, if period is still considered like this taboo thing, mm. like Manish, Manish has said, you can have all the laws in the world, it's not going to change. So one good thing was, one good example that she got from the UK was how offices had made restrooms. So rooms which, you know, have, uh, and also stock up your loose with say painkillers, hot water bottles, sanitary pads. So even if you don't want leave, you could say for just four or five hours, just go to that room or rest and also have work from home. I think work from home is a great I idea. Work from home is a, yeah. is a concept which will catch on for a variety of reasons. But Patricia, since part of the Northeast are, you know, matriarchal societies, or at least that's the myth until uh, some of the... matriarchal, matrilineal. Matrilineal, sorry, okay. My bad. Uh, but, uh, but... Uh, is this whole, I mean, you want to weigh in on how period leave would be considered there? Because 
at least to the untrained eye mm-hmm. like mine who's used to living in north india mm-hmm. uh, women seem a lot more empowered in the northeastern states than they do here yeah i don't think periods uh, worry us too much you know we it's a very normal thing there are no taboos at all hmm. so we go about our work and we don't make a big deal about it there are some women of course who who suffer period pains and all i don't know how they are coping and whether they get special leave so far i don't think uh, anyone has granted special leave but to... you think it should be institutionalized like zomato had done you think uh, there is a case for companies doing it I, i think so i think so because some some women really have it very bad you know the right. majority of course do, go about their work very normally but some really have bad days on those days and uh, it's painful it's uh, aggravating yeah so prerna has written on the same issue so i just thought i'd read prerna's mail then we'll move on Hello, news launderers. Thanks, Arna. By the way, the joke Thank here, Prerna has made it is because he had called us launderers on his show. Yes. He keeps doing launderers that. Launderers of news. Launderers of news. Ye kya jaane? Anyway, so Prerna says I've been following your channel and the free content you uploaded for almost a year. And on the occasion of Independence Day, I finally decided to free myself of the annoying conventional media and bought a subscription on News Laundry. Yay, Prerna! Very good. Finally, on Independence Day, you broke free and support independent media. Be like Prerna, people. All you lazy people who are just listening to this and not paying. <laughs> pay to keep news free don't be mufat khors unless you're a student or you're not earning then it's fine you can be mufat khors but if you're earning and you don't twitch a muscle when you go buy a packet of cigarettes or order pizza online or buy socks or as i learned underwear worth 300 rupees surely you can buy a subscription worth 300 rupees this mail is regarding the nl hafta 289 being a fairly new and relatively young subscriber i don't think i have the credentials to put forth my arguments regarding most of what you've discussed but being a menstruating woman I feel I do have the necessary qualification to present my PO view on period leave. Prerna you absolutely do or as Manisha said my my mindset is let me interrupt your expertise with my confidence. <laughs> But yes I think uh, you have more uh, locus standard to comment on this than uh, me and Mehraj put together so you don't have to on anything not just period leave. So do weigh in on any issue you want to talk about but on this you say I agree with Abhinandan uh, to a certain extent and also with Barkha's tweet period leave although are a great step I think they might end up militating against women by dissuading employers from considering promotions and salary increments. Also, in the matter of hiring, one can't argue against the fact that even today, in most of cases, pregnancy is still a decisive factor. I'll give you a personal example. My mother works as a principal in a certain institution, and being a woman herself, when she has to make a choice between hiring a newlywed woman or an unmarried woman, and a woman who is probably in her early forties or a man, she invariably goes for the last option. <laughs> Oh my gosh because she feels that there are more chances of a young newly married woman going ahead with pregnancy and taking a long leave or a young arid, mm-hmm. unmarried woman tying the knot and then leaving the job to take up domestic duties i don't agree with my mother and i'm not trying to justify her just letting you know this is how it works what i'm trying to say is that period leave would surely help women if we were a better evolved society where an employer overlooks such factors and purely considers whether a woman does or does not meet the necessary qualification and the reality is that we have not reached there yet having said that if the matter has decided to go ahead with period leave and they have a mechanism in place to ensure the same would you know so that's great and also she ends by saying i want to point out that zomato has actually decided to grant leave to trans people and not just women as you stated mm. wrongly stated okay so we stand corrected on that but uh, prerna thank you i mean uh, your mail is extremely uh, well articulated and mature so 
it doesn't suggest that you are too young to comment on this please comment on whatever you want about this yeah. uh, one point shala has made in her pieces that this idea because of this capitalistic order we have gotten this idea into our heads that productivity equals the time of the amount of time you work that's not that's the case wrong. study after study has shown the more time you give people of the more productive they are so unless that kind of that but framework <laughs> until that framework changes so also you know when people say this is how it works progress in society i don't think ever comes from people who go on saying this is how it works this is just how it is it comes from people who say this is not how it's going to this be this can't right, go yeah. on what is it progress bernard shaw who said all progress depends on the unreasonable man so i know but i don't but narendra bhai modi said others say why i say why not ha <laughs> <laughs> i don't aisa kuch tha i remember slogan 2014 mein but uh, moving on the, earlier this week uh, former president pranam mukherjee and one of the most senior leaders of the congress a troubleshooter for long who was also very stylish in his heydays have you seen him with the full mop of hair and when he used to smoke cigars yes i've seen those Sarah. photographs and i have interviewed him so i so we i mean let me let you? patricia go first uh, i think in 1996 or 97 um, i had interviewed him hmm. i was just going to ask manisha hmm? does she get uh, any kind of stick from uh, arnab and uh, navika kumar No, no. I think no. Uh, no. I mean, I, I don't think they'd like to acknowledge that a oh, show like New Sense exists. Exist. <laughs> they yeah. pretend that we don't exist. Yeah. I don't think. Actually, like... this one no. Uh, Ravi. I mean, Arnab Maros is news laundry jibes and all that. His, but, yeah. Uh-huh. I forgot his Rahul name. Rahul Shankar. So he uh-huh. wrote that once. No, we asked him for a comment, and he said, "You news laundry people are like." Ultimate journalists, why do you care about a lowly person like me? But see, we care. We care about all sections of society. Yes, we care about that. But, but uh, well, uh, they don't talk to us or attend many of our events or discussions. But then mm-hmm. uh, Arnab doesn't take questions. But most recently, he I was thrilled that he didn't name me, but referred to me in his in his interview to Open India, saying that which Meghnath. I don't know how he watched. I don't know. He watched two hours. I mean, I, I haven't watched it. I've just been told what he said. So I, I could be wrong, but Meghnath has told me. So if it's wrong, please blame Meghnath. That he uh-huh. said. people who used to make tra- uh, puppet, puppet shows. shows should not mm-hmm. call can't themselves tell us what journalism is can't ah. tell us uh, should call themselves journalists ha okay, and they can't okay. tell us also so a arnab if, i hope you listen to it because it's free right now so you can listen to it it's, you don't even have to subscribe <laughs> it's way more interesting than your two hour <laughs> rant about yourself but a uh, i've never called myself a journalist in fact if you see many of the places where i'm introduced as a journalist the first thing i'm on the mic and says I'm no longer a journalist, but I will say I was a journalist for five years of my life. I read more journalism than you've done in twenty, because I was mm-hmm. always on the road. Whether I was doing a tatty story of Hafuz Am Ratnagiri, mm-hmm. because I had gone there to interview Narendra, and Narendra told me to fuck off. And I mm-hmm. called up Malinder and said, "What do I do? He's not giving me answers." अच्छा वहाँ पर बहुत अच्छे बाग होते हैं हाफ़ोज़ आम के तो उस पर स्टोरी करके आ जाओ तो हम उसी पर होते हैं। So I have done enough ground reports, which I don't think you have, but he uh, so he does occasionally take a snide jibe at us, Patricia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why don't you go first on Pranam Mukherjee? What what do you oh. think his legacy is, should be? Where where does he stand as a national leader he's got a bharat ratna also right mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. modi yeah. ji gave the government honored him with that i think he like everybody says is the prime minister we never had because of dynasty because of so many other reasons but i think he was very good as finance minister and he understood the very nuanced kind of uh, policies that states needed to have so he he was the one who crafted this uh, special assistance schemes for the northeast and he didn't tie them up 
to any particular scheme because he said each state has its own needs, its own pressures, pull. So this this money should be used to adapt to those, you know, to the potential that each state has. I think he was the only politician, uh, Delhi politician, who really understood the Northeast. The people mm. of this region actually are indebted to him in many ways. He also crafted the Northeast uh, export promotion policy. You know, it was kind of a, an industrial policy that gave some sort of tax holiday to investors to come here. The idea was to just, uh, you know, jack up uh, investments in this part of the world because normally nobody comes to invest here because uh, of the conflict, of the violence, of the extortion and all the blah, blah, blah. So they, he tried his best, but um, how far he succeeded is, of course, all this depends on how the states use the, the money that comes from Delhi, which is never monitored, never evaluated. It's it, Yeah, it just, man, the special Northeast packages. I remember when we guys yeah. were in college and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Hindu, Hansraj, Ramjas, mm-hmm. a lot of these kids, and I mean, I, I'm talking like liberalization was just about, you know, this is just around 92, so liberalization hadn't hit us. So uh-huh. that time, like, having a Maruti Gypsy was a huge luxury. Like, yes. only the really rich kids had Maruti Gypsies. So who mm-hmm. had Maruti Gypsies? Rich kids. And a lot of these kids who were government employees from the Northeast, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. even if it was a junior mm-hmm. engineer's child. So there were a few, uh, like, for example, Ramjas Hostel had a huge Northeast population. Hindu mm-hmm. Hostel had a significant. And uh, they had a lot of vehicles, yeah. And, you know, one, uh, and, you know, they would say, we got a package, man. You guys don't. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, want yeah. <laughs> So yeah. I was like, okay, I'm fine, thanks. But uh, there were special packages that a lot of money was never monitored where it went, right? No, no, never monitored. And you should, a couple of years ago, Mizoram came up, you know, some young people of Mizoram came up with a calendar that showed up all these mansions belonging to public servants, politicians and bureaucrats. I think that's a good way of calling out these people. You come to Nagaland, go to Dimapur, there's a colony where only the rich and famous live. Oh my goodness, you can't see those sort of mansions even in, in Delhi perhaps. Yeah. So that's but, where all the investment goes, no? Private but very, pockets. But very interesting about uh, Pranam Mukherjee's... And the, roads, and the roads are left like that for years now, for decades. The road that connects Dimapur to Kohima is in shambles. Oh my goodness. It's it's not uh, not motorable. But I will say that road from Guwahati to uh, Shillong, the Bada Pani, yeah, Chota yeah. Pani, that is finally made, man. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. But that that is really good now. Yeah. That's really good. But I remember when it was being made, <laughs> I, and I think it took two or three years for it to make. Yes, and yes. during those two or three years, I had the most trips there. And I'm not yes. joking. Oh. Once it took me about twelve hours. You know that it was yes, only yes. one lane, and you, the, could miss, used... you could miss your flight. I yeah. missed my flight on two occasions. It was yeah. ridiculous. I at one point, you know, a camera crew said, let's just find a hotel, spend the night here and we'll shoot <laughs> later. Because these were like kilometer long. But now that, that road is like, what, eight lane? It's phenomenal now. Yes, yes, yes. But yes. Uh, it was interesting to know about Pranam Mukherjee's legacy in the Northeast. I had no idea about this, what, what uh, Patricia yeah. has told us. Also, mm-hmm. another part of his legacy, which because in this country, obituaries is usually written as hagiographies, which got sort of wasn't played up. Some people mentioned it is his links with Reliance. He used to be their bagman. Right. Yeah. I mean, Reliance wouldn't have legacy is grown. capitalism, actually. Yes. <laughs> That's mm. Reliance wouldn't have grown to what it is now if not for Pranam Mukherjee. Mm. He used to be, as somebody pointed this out, he used to be Congress's Piyush Goyal at one point mm. of time. I mean, bigger, mm-hmm. I think. Obviously, I mean, several Much times. Bigger, yeah. and I mean, more I mean, a lot of also did yeah. a lot for Reliance. Yeah. To grow a lot of stuff that, I mean, a lot of stuff can't be published. There was rumors of 
Pranam Mukherjee being very close to you know certain senior. There was a headline, and um, I mean, this is what I read few back few days. He ago. would have done it for the party. Yeah. And yes. uh, but but it was it was it was reported back in the eighties. There was a Telegraph headline, uh, an editorial headline, which said that Minister of Finance or Minister of Reliance. Right. So I mean, uh. his 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 favoring. <laughs> Uh, of reliance was fairly covered but i mean uh, it was questioned i mean my story of him and this is when i say that you are never too old to change for the better mm-hmm. or for the worse so back in 95 96 i was one of the most important reporters that news track had where i used to be sent to do stories ki nikku kya kare kuch aise camera team leke jao sab politicians puchho unka new year resolution kya hai so these are the kind of important <laughs> stories i often was asked to do so i just took the camera team i said okay i got in the car and i said chalo hum ye jantar mantar road se shuru karte hain and i would just go cuz that time there were not 30 chance right a news track camera everyone wanted to and i just started ringing bells mm-hmm. and i rang pranam mukherjee's bell because that time he was nothing he was out of favor sitaram case he had taken over uh, the congress uh-huh, you know uh-huh. and you know one person came and uh, i said pranam mukherjee hain they said ha he came to the gate himself he was a tiny man and i was i'd never seen him before so i was shocked to see just how tiny he was he said yes i said uh, sir i've come to ask you what is your new year's resolution <laughs> he said okay uh, you want to do on the road or i said no the bad frame i said when we do it can i see he says yes just come he walked with me behind his house there was a vegetable patch i said why don't you stand here he said okay he was so obedient he just stood there okay what's the question i said what is your new year resolution i will uh, spend some time reading i'm writing my book and he gave so we'd like tea i said no thank you and you know that time because when a politician is out of favor mm. he's a bloody nobody mm. yeah and he's thrilled yeah. to see a camera yes, and then yes. i saw an interview of his with rajdeep where rajdeep interrupted him and yes. said i'm the pres i'm a former president speak with he respect was so, he was so annoyed with rajdeep i was like dude i was telling you to stand against us and now stand here stand there <laughs> and you become the president and you're like don't you dare interrupt me Mm-hmm. So no matter how old you are, <laughs> it can go to your head. And I remember immediately after him, I went to this guy who had been given a special bungalow, although he was of no one of any worth. Well, uh, something bitta. Uh, he mm-hmm. was with the Congress. He's a Sardarji with. The, he had lost. Oh yeah, yeah. He was part youth of his Congress leader. Youth yes, Congress. Yes. yes. Remember, in a bomb blast, part yeah. of his leg had got injured, yes, and after yes, that, yes. he became this uh, really favored guy in the yeah. Congress. So he had also uh-huh. got a bungalow there, although he had no right for a bungalow. So. Mm-hmm. He said, "Ah, yeah, yeah, ha." So at that time, reporters were treated so well. Juice, breakfast. So I never used to eat breakfast. If I was going to interview a politician, I knew I'd get breakfast. So he said, "Acha, Pranam Mukherjee ne kya bola?" I said, "So he had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." I said, "He had already given me his interview." Mm-hmm. India TV where this reporter has rung the bell and clearly it's on the first time he's rung the bell <laughs> and this gentleman opens not a gentleman but this guy opens the door in a kachha he's and a gentleman. no top he's a gentleman <laughs> why <laughs> but, is he not a gentleman but then he says and he's saying get out of here now you know many people and i of course had a very condemned filled tweet that how can india today think this is okay and then they're saying oh look how he's treating our reporter and in the background you can see a child like a you know four year old child like if i had my child and someone was bothering me at the door I wouldn't just push the person off I'll tell you that I mean when it comes to kids mm-hmm. I mean at least I'm extremely protective so people saying what is the criteria like if someone's not speaking with you I'm saying a general rule of thumb banalo if you can do it to Amit Shah then do it to everybody but if you can't do it to Amit Shah like I could ring Pranam Mukherjee's bell and he could come and say what do you want now had he said I don't want to speak with you I wouldn't say tu bahar to aa I'd say theek hai bye bye so if Tell you can't me, do it to Amit Shah something about media ethics 
Uh, if you're sending, as a senior journalist, you're sending two questions to the chief minister and you need to, you know, to file a story and the chief minister just does not respond. What do you do? Well, um, uh, good question. You wait till he comes out for the uh, his session or something and then you are, you fire the question. If he doesn't respond, you have the video or then you say he oh, didn't I'm respond. I'm talking of now when you can't meet anyone physically. Good point. What do you do? I mean, I, I say you go with the story. <laughs> no, you don't wait. I think you give someone 24 hours. If they don't come, you go with it. That is the practice. No, I like thought like the story is that. the response. It's just something you want them to respond on. Yeah. No, see, you need to get the CM to respond on a host of issues. Huh, but this is a general, like, give a others, press conference which not, sort of thing. Uh, which are directly under his, you know, command. He's mm. minister of tourism. He's finance minister. So you need responses on those those issues then you, you do send what, uh, three questions and then you don't get a response at all what do you do you do what bupendra chobe does what that does he do he praises modi ki new paradigm he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't talk to us anymore which is great because he does monkey bath huh. this is a new paradigm monkey, in monkey bath monkey bath the people here don't know monkey bath no so they say monkey bath Hmm. In this Ajda case, it was even worse. I mean, he didn't just go ring somebody's bell. He went and said, basically said like, he's a drug peddler. Yeah. And also, you have to see under the tweet, the number of people who abuse journalists and they've said, Ki I mean, at one point, these proprietors should also think, look at how much animosity you've created yeah. in society course, against journalists. Yes, people yes, hate yes. journalists now. Yes. But I that mean, fuels the cycle. No, it gets you eyeballs, right? I mean, But it's disgusting. It's I mean, come down to that only. I mean, this is something that no, but, owners but, need to think but of. Manisha, you... when you watch how uh, the the journalists are sort of, my God, look at the haranguing that uh, Rhea Chakraborty is going through. I also begin to hate that, yeah? My goodness, it's really too bad. Anyway, I just thought that the, the one thing that I did notice, in fact, I didn't notice it. My mother noticed it. She, uh, like all old people, whenever someone dies, she's hooked onto the television and often mm -hmm. cries. Whether she gave a shit about the person or not. You know, it could be anyone. I think tomorrow if, you know, uh, the most evil person in the world died, she'd say, oh, how sad. So she says, so she was really, I think, looking forward to the wall-to-wall -wall coverage of the cremation and then this. She says, Kamal hai, president mar gaya hai aur Sushant Singh Rajput dikha rahe hai. Jab bhi koi marta hai, wo kam se kam teen ghanta to dikha hai. I said, good point, mother. I'm sorry you have not got your chance to turn on the waterworks. But but I was wondering, yes, he he's a former president. Yeah, there was no wall-to-wall -wall coverage. So is it Sushant? Is it COVID? Or there was no, you couldn't have a visual spectacle of a procession and a cremation. Because uh, even when someone less important dies, there's a, there's a lot more coverage, there's live coverage mm -hmm. of the proceedings. This time it was done very, I mean, with all yeah, there COVID protections any, and all like, that There wasn't even like the usual... Forget the live procession, I guess that will only happen for BJP leaders from now on. Hmm. That I think we're sure of. But, but COVID, so you think it's COVID or what? What is it? It's Sushant and Ria. Okay, so I'll just have a couple of emails and then we can discuss what's happening uh, in Kashmir. Miraj, you can tell us we're two or three. One was the Muharram related firing and the other is this language policy. Yeah. You can just tell us about that. Hey, Afta team, your team is doing great service to the nation by showing a mirror to media and the people. Like us who consume shit. <laughs> I was an ardent TV news watcher. I stopped consuming TV news a couple of years ago when all the anchors started doing angry young women men facade. Also closed all my social media accounts around the same time. Wow, what a peaceful life you live. Discovered News Laundry on YouTube and as recently as this year. Thanks to TV Nuisance. Manisha, awesome job, by the way. Just wanted to say hello. Thank you. And would like to engage with you awesome people sometime. Eagerly yes. awaiting your next hafta. Abhinandan repeatedly asking or shall I say demanding 
you pay for content actually works even though it gets frustratingly repetitive it forced me to come forward i'm glad my haranguing forced you and those of you who it hasn't forced and are shamelessly consuming news for free and then cursing reporters and other news organizations by saying why do they give shit news well because shit news sells to the advertiser if you want news to serve you like we say when the public pays the public is served when advertisers pay advertisers are served so if you want a reality show leave news to advertisers if you want news that serves the public step up go to newslaundry.com and pay to keep news free and those of you who are a little more generous and could afford more than 100 or 1000 rupees a month you can also pay for our latest nl sena project in case you want to know what the nl sena project is it's called disastrous consequences uh, the year 2020 has been a horrible year with flood cyclonic storms droughts and wildfires ravaging regions across the country why have these disasters occurred in the pattern that they have how do they actually affect the ecology and the environment we're going to be covering this through ground reports in bengal and assam we're going to have two reporters dedicated to this the total outlay for this project is 175000 out of which we have already raised 126000 so those of you who have contributed for this nlsna project thank you those of you who would like to please do because unless you pay for ground reports people would rather just sit in studios and shout because it is more economically efficient to do that on that note uh, just one more mail and then uh, i hand over to miraj this is from kingshuk i'm writing this mail right after watching abhinandan's interview with gulzar on the night before prashant bhushan sentencing by the time you will read this we will all know his fate and something tells me it's going to be ugly well well how about that they found a nice <laughs> middle ground yeah i want to bring up an issue which you guys missed on last hafta which is the government's new diktat on the ott platforms vis-a-vis content on the indian army or the armed forces in general it demands that the creators of any web series or films of the topic of the armed forces get prior approvals of the forces this is the result of one ott platform where the armed forces were shown in a poor manner which was obviously uh, which irritated uh, you know the ministry of rnb and the ministry of defense and he says uh, this is not just the shocking part the shocking part is that diktat has existed for quite a few years for the theatrical film releases and not one news organization thought it may be the direct attack on free speech and even if they did they simply put a 100 word piece about it in their website and went on with their obsession with sushant singh rajput and how horrible ria is from punjab sacrilege law which made which the media failed to notice to now the armed forces telling us what and how they should be portrayed kinchuk has gone on to say that in that case you know the supreme court will say you can't make show courts in this way government they did say already <laughs> police will say you can't show police in this way so then where does it stop uh, the pe- point is people or institutions of power don't like to be held accountable but they have to be so good point all good points but kinshuk one thing i will tell you is that if you take the army's help because i we i've done a show with the army 26 episodes called jai hind it was not a news show it was a show just about the forces because we were using army tanks army helicopters army vehicles every episode had to be passed through not the mod but by the chief's office it had it used to go there and they used to cut out stuff that they thought may compromise security in the sense that if we had shown a particular water tank they said this water tank will help anyone identify where this is so therefore they would ask us to take that out or if when jp datta makes border he is using all the army facility then they have a right to tell you what to do but the point is if you're shooting it on your own and you aren't using army facilities then um, absolutely yeah. but but also, the thing is I most guess, of them use army facilities i guess the difference is also in a documentary versus a film no like not like border was all true to life a lot of the incidents they show never really yeah. happened so just because that suits the image doesn't mean you allow one thing to happen and no absolutely i think a, a previous uh, person on the hafta uh, subscriber has written uh, about 
which US, I think uh, Zero Dark Thirty, uh, yeah. the one. Zero he Dark. says that was a propaganda film that was pretty that much was funded propaganda, by the yeah. White House and they got information from there. So when you, get, mm. basically, if your film is dependent on the forces, then they will have last call. If you're mm -hmm. not dependent on the forces and if you can hire 40 other jeeps, repaint them, but if you don't want the budget to do that, and then you'll tell the army, yaar, mere paas paise nahi hai, tum apni jeep de do, se, hai, le lo, phir lekin film hum dekhenge. And that's how it is. Yeah. I mean, if it's, yeah, propaganda, like you said about Zero Dog 30, hmm. Seymour Hersh wrote a piece afterwards saying, this is not at all how it happened. Yeah. Right. Also, they glorified the torture. They, yeah. they led you to believe that the torture actually gave them some leads, but that never happened. What was the, the waterboarding? What is it called? Yeah, waterboarding. They had a name for it. They had, oh, a, they had enhanced interrogation, interrogation techniques. Yeah. Sir, you were saying, Patricia? Jargon. No, I'm saying it reminds you of the days of embedded journalism. Yeah. The Cargill was... coverage and all that, all that, yeah. In fact, there's a great Amazon movie on this. How this one man, which is a true story, a whistleblower, uh, how he blows the cover on the lies on this technique that they were using. And that has a little clip of Zero Dark Thirty. So he's been on the story. I think you guys would have seen it. Adam Sa um, not Adam Sandler. Who's that guy? The Adam Driver. What do, you, what do you guys think of the report. Saxena, the movie? Well, I actually uh, reviewed it for our other podcast. I think it is a terrible movie that everyone must watch. It's, <laughs> no, I, I'll tell you why. I think because the issue it takes up is a very serious issue and it's a real issue. The uh, misogyny and the sexism everywhere, especially the forces. Because I think if a... Like if I had a, you know, a young child, uh, you know, five, eight, ten years old who'd watch this film, they would not look at the technical aspects of the film. They would just inspire them. So I think from that point of view, it is a film every family must show to the boys and girls of their families because it'll. But if you're asking me as an audiovisual professional and a former camera assistant mm -hmm. and assistant director in Bollywood films, it is so bad technically mm -hmm. that it is embarrassing. But yet, I would recommend everyone should watch it for other reasons. Yeah, and we discussed this earlier, but I think that they shouldn't have taken liberties that they did because it is based on a real person's life. So I think it should have been true yes, to what yes. really happened. What do you think, Patricia? No, I thought uh, it showed, it, it was a bit sexist in a sense because uh, you're showing all those guys in very bad light, which I don't think is the case today. I don't know if it if that was the case. No, uh, you're right. During... It was like, it was too much. Like, it yeah, can't yeah. be that every single person is such a jerk. Yes, so it... yes, and, yes. And joke to the extent that and then they're singing like rowdies and, you know, the, it, mm. it was, and that, of course, that Panja scene was, I mean, we've talked about this, but yeah. Panja scene was pretty ridiculous. So, Mehraj, your home state, not a state, your home union territory, <laughs> sorry. Just home is enough. Home is enough. Okay, your mm. home was in the news again. Um, after a long time, in fact, um, Kashmir is not in the news so much these days. I, I wonder if that's because of, by design or... By design, But what obviously. has been in news for the past Sushant one only. month? <laughs> but, so there was a firing during the Muharram. If you could just tell us what happened there. Was there a violation of any diktat that had been laid down? What are the kind of casualties one has seen? And also this other rule of uh, land and language. So what happened is, on the 10th of Muharram, which is the first month in the Islamic calendar... The Shia Muslims take out a procession. It's to mark the martyrdom of Imam Hussein, who was the Prophet's grandson, who rose up against a tyrannical ruler at the time and who was killed along with his entire family in the, in the town of Karbala in Iraq. So to mark that, Shias take a procession. It's basically a mourning. It happens every year. And every year, I remember when I was in college in 2008 and I was doing my internship for, for a journalism internship around that time also since then 
always without exception they're always targeted by the police always this time the violence became even more brutal because they used the excuse of covid saying you are not permitted to do this and they fired pellets which i have said previously pellet guns are basically used for hunting in kashmir they've been used on people people have been injured in their eyes which means they're blind for life for no crime just for exercising their religious right and even if it was the case that say covid doesn't permit it that which wasn't like i said because it happens every year if that was the case that covid you could have done it in a proper order like like for example like ram mandir was done or the tirupati was done jagannath was done yes. you could have done that easily but the first response any time like somebody doesn't listen to what you have to say is brutal violence that's become the norm that's become the norm and it's not just mohram i mean this came out because it happened all at once 30 around 30 people another thing is militant gets caught up somewhere you blow up 15 houses hmm. like happened in srinagar recently so this brutal violence and this like mindless destruction of property it's i mean the whole idea is to basically i mean that's been the idea all along to subjugate the population Power. yeah reduce them to basically dehumanize them and that's what is happening this is all part of the same thing and the second law that has come up law is so urdu has been the official language of kashmir for a long time not kashmiri because kashmiri is only spoken by people in the valley and others like in jammu some people speak dogri some speak hindi in the mountainous areas people speak gojri and uh, pahadi other places people speak ladakhi so for all of these people urdu was the official language now they included it the rest it was the code language now they have made it one of the languages others are hindi kashmiri dogri and uh, ladakhi right. english sorry not ladakhi english why not ladakhi now that's a separate territory okay right yeah. fine so eventually i mean the way these guys function is the whole idea is to make hindi the official language i mean the rest is just like the that actually uh, debate has up. become a big issue even the south yeah. about hindi but i on that i i but just again they have just like they have just said these are going to be the languages they haven't given out the details what will be used what will be the court language what will be the official language if state documents are to be written which language they'll be written in hmm. just that these will be the details will come later so we'll get to know when that happens patricia that there, there are so many languages right even within yeah, yeah, states yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, how how does the official language there get decided? Is it like English is English? English is used largely because there are too many language groups, and you don't know which one to classify and which one not to. Hmm. So, and uh, most of the languages are seeking recognition, other than Assamese, Bengali, and you know Nepali. Uh, the other and then Bodo. The other tribal languages are not recognized. and there are a lot of tribal languages so it's yes, it's not like yes. the one large chunk mm. so yeah. as such there is like no Kasi problem is not, not recognized so it's not used in the assembly although i i wonder because you know our mlas our elected representatives find it so difficult to express themselves in english that sometimes they say the wrong thing the other day the health minister said if you have to walk in my feet or something to that effect <laughs> then you will then you will not criticize me right <laughs> so, so everybody made fun of that but you know why can't we speak in our in the language we are comfortable in and have uh, interpreters in fact now the technology for translation is so evolved that real time mm. like forget like parliament and assembly yeah sometimes when i go for conferences mm. you know this year to koi bhi conference ka nahi hota jo aaye the sab chopat ho gaye cuz you know i've gone for conferences overseas and these are tucha conferences that people like me are invited so you can imagine how important they would be so even in those conferences let's say 30 of us there's a headphone 
you know because yeah. there'll be some from germany there'll be some from spain yes, there'll be yes, yes. and you can pick whichever language and yeah, whatever the yeah. person is saying it's real time being uh, translated mm-hmm, in your ear mm-hmm. yeah why can't yeah. we do this within india all, in- all international conferences have that facility everywhere because people just speak their own language they have no to you know uh, they they don't hesitate to do that because that's the language they're comfortable in why should we be forced to speak english i mean of course it'll always be a challenge to translate trump like what language will you like english ko english kya what is he saying but but yeah you no, get also, the picture I mean, policies like this like this having multiple languages in a place which is multilingual it's a good thing but the problem is it's that's not the idea behind it the idea is to impose it's a cover to impose hindi in kashmir for example until like a few years ago 5 6 10 years ago maybe kashmiri was not taught in schools i mean we speak kashmir i speak kashmiri mm-hmm. i later learned to read and write 99% of the kashmiri people can't read and write kashmiri they mm-hmm. can read and write urdu they can read and write hindi and english and all the other stuff mm-hmm. but they can't do with that with kashmiri because really it was never yeah? taught no and no that, but that's that is my design that doesn't happen like by chance languages here as well uh, mm-hmm. many people now don't speak the language and recently the unesco said that khasi is the fastest dying language whoa on that i i must say you know maharashtra tamil nadu lot of these yeah states yeah. have really Bengal. made sure i mean okay. considering tamil is the most ancient spoken language although there was some twitter debate on it and twitter debates are as informed as twitter debates will be and uh, someone said that no one of these hindutva icon types only on twitter hindutva icons with the blue tick said that tamil has come from sanskrit and of course all the tamilians said what the fuck are you talking about man like <laughs> tamil has not come from and then he said this word comes from this then someone pulled out that first of all why do you look at the scriptures that when uh, shivji played his damru from one side sanskrit came out and the other side tamil came out so we came out bef- like oh, at the wow. same time as you <laughs> that's a completely different language group i mean yeah. that debate has been long set yeah, no, no no debate is long set it had been long set that you can't discriminate on pairs of color see what's happening in america by the way i was shocked at trump's uh, press conference after he visited wisconsin man what town kenosha kenosha oh. like dude yeah the guy is going f- like full on he said forget it don't even pretend to be like racist coming up wow oh yeah that was that was quite shocking uh, so okay now uh, we just now vanisha uh, st- just to stand by on the facebook developments we want to discuss that facebook a little bit facebook or gdp gdp, GDP okay, let's, let's talk about gdp I'll, I'll, then i'll i'll talk about facebook Now before we move on to the next subject Patricia has to carry on thank you Patricia for joining us before you move on can you please give us some recommendations and any closing thoughts that you have I think everyone should watch uh, news laundry and Manisha at her best <laughs> thank, thank you for that's very kind of you listen to your podcast thank you because thank- because it gives us you know a, a different perspective of the media Yeah. Thanks Patricia. Thank you so much. Good luck with what you do and hopefully I shall be able to make a trip again. Yes, please Ever do. Ever since do. news laundry came, my travel has stopped. Maybe I shall rediscover <laughs> travel and see yeah. you in Shillong. Bye. Have fun. Take bye. care. Bye. 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 Before we move on to the GDP numbers etc, which Manish will tell us about and how beautifully they were covered by our primetime geniuses, we have a email which is a 1113 word email from a subscriber who doesn't want to be named, which I won't. But dear subscriber, I cannot possibly read one hundred one thousand one hundred thirteen words. It'll take me about twelve and a half minutes. So I will give the nature of what you are saying. Uh, I'm from Bangalore. I request you not to disclose my name. Maybe this letter is long, but I request you to read it so that no other subscriber should make the mistake that I made with News Laundry subscriber. And you go on to say that you've been an on-off member since twenty fourteen, and you discovered News Laundry. 
depending on your financial con- condition and state of mind there were months when you didn't renew your subscription sometimes you did you used to follow every member's twitter handle from anand ranganathan to madhu trehan to me and manisha and you have read both anand's books and mani and madhu's book oh between 2014 and 2017 then what and happened then uh, things changed in 2018 and 19 for the last 3 years i've been teaching guiding computer science engineers and during this time you noticed you had left and then you realized anand left news laundry and you were busy and you couldn't follow why <laughs> and you are shocked to see his twitter and the kind of opinions that he normalizes and the kind of things that he communicates and you were quite shocked and disgusted and then you go on to say uh, during march 2019 i was shocked at the influence rss modi bjp and all these intellectuals have on college students because you say a lot of your students follow people like anand then used to really value what he said and you find it really worrying and now it's taken some time for you to come out of your cynicism and realize that the only right thing to do is support people who are doing the right thing due to covid my small scale tech training center is closed and for the time being i will limit a monthly or quarterly subscriptions when the situation permits i will buy higher options the fact that you're buying options even though you're going through a financial crunch dear anonymous wonderful person is good enough thank you so much mm. and you've said when you take up a mainstream corporate job you will increase the amount you give us well you can keep giving us what you're giving us right now that's more than enough 300 bucks is fine also one thing is that uh, apart from subscribing you guys also please start actively sharing our stuff because like when you encounter views that you think you know you know for example you said people follow rss and all that please share our videos our content especially like we've done so much stuff on riya and sushant if you have people in your family who think riya should be hanged like yakub memem <laughs> please mm. share our stories please share the stuff we do that also really helps us a lot So then you've gone on to say that you're writing to exchange your ideas with New Zealand in the context of the SSR developments. While you really value what we do and you appreciate our work, uh, you say that you can't make up your mind on what happened with SSR. That why are we calling out, let's say, Navika, and to the extent that it is not a murder? I'm not sure I've said it conclusively, but I have said I don't think there is enough evidence for me no. to suggest that there is a murder. Even the CBI is not investigating a murder. So um, you say I agree with Manisha. What Manisha said in one half the SSR death and its aftermath is an interesting sociological case study. But I feel how much ever you try to distance and try to be objective, it is not easy. After Rajiv's interview with Ria, I saw a few tweets from Manisha and Rajshree in which they commented about Sushant not talking to his father for five years and Ankita, Anikta, whatever her name is. Ankita Lukhande who was not in touch with SSR for 4 mm. years and commenting about his state of mind etc mm. so while criticizing the media trial that republican times have conducted you started getting affected based on what riya said so what you're saying is that isn't it the same well actually no it's not the same because a rajshree <laughs> rajshree of course being rajshree said that you know this family is you know she was a little yeah. harsh rajshree on the family is, yeah rajshree so uh, i agree i mean with the father and what the family you know whether he met or not met i don't know but with ankita lokhande it's pretty clear and she said so herself right that she wasn't in touch with him for about 4 years So then, how is she going around saying that you know he was such a happy guy, or उसको कभी कुछ नहीं हो सकता था, और वो इतना positive था, इतना ये था, इतना वो था? I mean, if you haven't met the guy for four years, how can you? But by anonymous friend, I really appreciate your. Um, I mean, I I love how open-minded you are about stuff and how you are even self-critical. I really appreciate that. But you know, the only difference is you're right that anything is possible. For example, I mean, I'm not trying to be morbid or facetious, कहते हैं, but I'm trying to be purely logical. Pranab Da was in an ICU for the last ten, fifteen days. He was in a coma. Now someone could say that he could have come out, but there was some foul play in there. Now none of us know. We haven't been in there. It happened in Jailalitha's case. 
yeah that whole uh, speculation happened in jail atas okay let's take that example now i can't conclusively say but I, because i wasn't there but i can say from the evidence that is available and from the basic logic that i can make of circumstances whether it is worth pursuing a report like you know as as the ceo of this organization i can you know while i don't sit on day to day edit meets if i find something you know yaar wo zabardast story hai guys let's do that story now would i say that for a jalata story or a pranabda story or a because there just isn't anything there that one can pursue so i think while i think you may have got influenced by some of the fake news that is going around mm. on the evidence ki bhai wahan par ye mila naked body mili wo kuch nahi mila our reporter has been to that colony so you're right anything is possible like anything is possible in jalata or or with pranabda but from what we know there is no reason to suspect anything other than what has been obviously stated also let us look at what's being investigated if you move out of prime time studios cbi is investigating an abetment to suicide case they are not investigating a murder the supreme court itself when the case was given to the cbi said that they have no reason to believe that the mumbai police has indulged in any foul play the only thing that they did wrong was obstruct a patna police guy from i mean that was of course politics he was quarantined you know <laughs> they just put him in a quarantine saying now you can't but the supreme court itself has said that there was no proof of foul play by mumbai cbi is investigating a case into abetment of suicide this is the fact that these are facts we know till now not tomorrow if they say ki ha murder angle bhi kar rahe so that's another thing but based on what we know there isn't a murder angle also if you are a journalist you are a reporter and you think maybe there's some foul play you want to investigate that do that yeah. but you don't go around vilifying people yeah. what they have done to riya chakrabarti back in the day they used to call people women witches and burn them at yeah, the yeah, stake yeah. it's no less than that exactly. and the whole the, and it's the not, idea of hmm. justice the fundamental principle is that people are presumed innocent until they are proved guilty this is not the case here you are yeah. just going yesterday like that in your day reporter maybe that gentleman maybe he was a drug peddler but you don't have any evidence you don't go into his home in front of his children and his family and say you are you are a drug peddler saying these things making these baseless without allegations without evidence it has actually destroyed people's lives in this country so many people have ended up in jail spent 10 years 20 years in jail because they were called mm-hmm. terrorists or something else and they weren't And even also, now this uh, kafil khan who was released huh, the other day dr yeah, kafil yeah. khan the court said after 7 months that what his speech was for unity and integrity mm. and he was jailed on the basis of that speech the police said it was communal violence whatever and all that and mehraj brings a very important point that yes as reporters we do report on cover ups there have been cover ups in the history of india i mean jessica lal case is a great case where you know apparently no one had murdered her till journalist started digging and started finding witnesses do that but then at the end of it we present facts what are we being presented here are conspiracy theories from social media ki wo whatsapp chat mein karni sena gaye a karni sena gaye is at uh, you know the place at the hospital where sushant's body is and he's saying maine suna kisi ne dubai bola so there's a dubai drug connection that's not what how journalists operate no if i want to establish a dubai drug connection there should be a paper trail there should be you know change of money there should be some documents there should be some witness who says Something. There was some MLA on Times now who said that there should be a drug test, like there is a drug test on all sportsmen. Yeah. There should be a drug test on all the Bollywood people. And wasn't that Kangana Ranaut who said that? I was. Kangana no, Kangana has said that she has named four stars: Ranbir, uh, Vicky, some guys that they should come forward because they are rumours, they are drug addicts. They should come clean and give. No, but what's that this, got to do with them? Like winning awards for their work, even if they are. But, like, but this guys, 
the this MLA, the BJP MLA who said that less, less sportsman ka hota hai, Bollywood wale ka bhi hona chahiye. I'm saying, pehle to sabse pehle to news anchors ka hona chahiye. Bhai, what are the classic symptoms? Overexcited, yeah. restless, too much movement, too much shouting. Now I don't see Vicky Kaushal or Ranveer Kapoor or anyone doing that. I see Arnab doing that. I see Padmanabh Joshi doing that. I'm no, like, first of all, do it. If we were to actually do like an invest, like a like an investigation, the way TV news does investigation, we can actually nail these guys with this. You should <laughs> do really a funny. show do a on that, and then we should run Take after it, them. Look, how they are pushing it. Who is pushing it? And with us, our physical trainer expert, Mehraj. क्या बिना ड्रग के ऐसी अपनी सीट पे स्टूडियो फुदकना जायज है हरगिज नहीं हरगिज नहीं ऐसे मैनेज मुझे याद है जब मैं पीपली लाइव में मैं अपनी प्रैक्टिस कर रहा था I this Ankita Lokhande thing she herself has said that you know I wasn't in touch with him for four years and I think it you do you doing such a disservice to the whole concept and conversations around mental health when you you haven't met the guy a for four you say you're not in touch then you come on TV and say वो तो बड़ा खुश था मेरे साथ और वो तो इतना पॉजिटिव था वो डायरी लिखता था yeah depressed people can do all of that and still be depressed and still you know take matters mm. into their hand and do something as drastic as by the way um, it's just pathetic um so anyway even anger is a is one of the things that happens when you're depressed many people channel it that side uh, the latest investigation now when we're talking about investigations the times now says that he was googling property prices so which depressed person looks at properties he wanted properties in beautiful places and wherever he was looking for cool Dear or whatever god man अरे यार यू कुड बी अ बाइपोलर पर्सन यू नो सर्चिंग फॉर प्रॉपर्टी ऑन मून एट वन पॉइंट फ्रॉम प्रकाश अयर प्रकाश सर महराज इज कटिंग सॉरी फिगर विद ईच पासिंग हफ्ता एनी स्लाइट प्रॉडिंग ऑन इस्लामिज्म रिजल्ट इन वीक डिफेंसिस विच आर काउंटर्ड इफ एट ऑल विद अटमोस्ट क्वेश्चन बाय द पैनल सो इस्लामिक वर्ल्ड इज इलिबरल टूवर्ड्स माइनॉरिटीज बिकॉज ऑफ वॉर एवेज रिसेंट हिस्ट्री एज इफ प्रायर टू दोज वॉज दैट रीजन वॉज लीडिंग द वर्ल्ड इन लिबरल वैल्यूज not to mention other average countries like vietnam which have no such issues in context of bengaluru riots there are positive parts of quran to be shared while the rest of the panel apparently is totally unaware of any deep rooted issues in quran though if someone had ever quoted anything positive from manus smriti no need to guess how that would have been pounced upon off or commenting against islam in the panel can always hide behind the fig leaf of depends on interpretation we are not theologians all this while the entire panel agrees passionately on casteist fabric of hindu society but islam is of course not a fabric of any region and this attitude is not just in discussion specific events recently over long periods of time listen to hafta it is too clear how panel walks on eggshells when it comes to discussing issues or events on islamism while talking about casteism panel's freedom is too evident a uh, joke anger mocking modulation of tone are all there but with islamism is a limited stiff commentary which comes as tokenism how to write this off as bias this attitude is something weirder don't know what to call it but it is not just bias I'm glad you guys at least discuss caste freely and interviews like TM Krishna on his book are excellent at least the part you are at least that part you are doing right so before i let uh, meraj respond prakash two things in screenwriting lingo there is something called a blurt a blurt is an idea that comes to your head and you just blurt it out and you write that out but you never send the blurt to anybody you go take a walk you have a bath you have a shower you do whatever you want and then you come and rewrite it you've sent a blurt it's angry and it is full of many holes which i will puncture shortly one is you should not assume what i will say about something or the other that i will say this about if anyone says something let me respond and then you'll see what i say my view on taking any religious text literally is the same whether it's the quran there is the bible or there is gita or anything so your assumption is wrong and i have articulated that several times on hafta that what is problematic is that 
this interpretation is wrong, then anyone can interpret it anyway. I do not believe taking any religious text is a good defense or a good argument. No matter how you interpret it, because that's not the point as far as I'm concerned. Anyone can have their view. Secondly, challenging people or not, you know, or walking on eggshells or disagreeing in pol politely. I'll give you an example. I, I'm sure you didn't write a letter when Madhu Trehan forced me up by the collar and made me stand up for the national anthem when we went to watch a film together. Now, you didn't say, why didn't I wrestle it to the ground and say, I'm going I don't believe one conversation with me is going to change her mind. And for everything else, I agree with her. I disagree with her on many things she said about Tabligh. I disagree with many things she said about Kashmir. But I don't believe my one conversation is going to change her mind. I don't agree with Anand Vardhan on many things. But I don't believe I'll change his mind. You assume that me not forcing someone to change his mind is walking on eggshells. And the second thing is the context is different. If I was sitting here in a non-Modi, non-Yogi India, I may be wording what I say differently. So these are two or three things you should keep in mind when you write a mail. Because we'd like to keep it a little more, should I say, you know, devoid of name-calling each other at least. We can do that to Arnabs and stuff. But not within the News Laundry subscriber community. But uh, Anand, uh, sorry, uh, um, Miraj, go ahead. A lot of things. First, casteism and Islamism are like completely different things. There is no comparison. One. Two, uh, you said about some problems, problematic stuff you found in the Quran. I'm sure you did. But I mean, I can't respond to gender generalities to the best of my knowledge, to the best of my limited knowledge. I can like discuss parts which you find offensive or whatever. We can discuss that. That's two. Third part is, I never said that Islamic world is liberal or it's it's not liberal. What I said is that idea that Muslim countries or Muslim nations are singular in persecuting minorities is just bunkum. Let's look at the facts. Like I said the last time also, these are this is the perception gleaned from headlines. Let's look at the facts. Right now, China has put almost 10 million Muslims in concentration camps. Every day there are stories about that. It's a genocide in progress. Myanmar committed a genocide, we all know that. Sri Lanka in Buddhists, what they did to Muslims. What Israel is doing in Palestine to Muslims. What Russia is doing to Muslims in the Caucasus, Dagestan and Chechnya. Even in Angola, what is happening to Muslims. Now tell me of all these things, tell me a comparable example in the Muslim world. What I said is this is happening because if you look at all these countries also, they're either authoritarian, they're ethno-nationalist states, even in India, I mean, if you really look at it, the most persecution of minorities right now anywhere in the world is happening in India, apart from China and uh, Myanmar. You have Muslims being we can say. you you have Muslims being persecuted. I'm not just mean religious minorities, Muslim minorities, Dalits, Dalit. Adivasis. They're not considered minorities. That's another violence. In fact, India is an outlier in this case. All these other countries, they're either authoritarian, ethno-national states, and in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia is practically destroyed Yemen. Yeah. I mean, that's a human catastrophe of in fact, enormous, has written a enormous proportions. Has written an but an that is not that. because they are Muslim. Hmm. They're committing crimes against them because they're Muslim. or they're, It's a political dispute. Hmm. Right. All these, this is happening in Saudi Arabia, the Syria, China, Thailand. All these, they're either dictatorships, they're authoritarian regimes, they're ethno-nationalist states in Israel's case. India is an outlier because it's a democracy. And for the most part, it's been at peace for the last 70 years. And still you have this. I mean, yeah. It's so this singular, I never said that this is not the case. The world is rife with violence. But this case that it's a particularly Muslim problem is not true. And even in the West, for example, in US, UK, Muslims are the most 
um, study after study has shown that Muslims are the community that's most most discriminated against. But you know, the first email that had come, who was, I, I think he was also Muslim only, the one who'd written, the, at least in the Indian context, I'm not going to talk about the international context, the, these things that come out when, like he said, this, um, you know, when that Azam Khan, Azam is this Khan, thing happened. Yeah. It's the pushback from within the community and the, and, and um, Prakash, right? Prakash here. Prakash, one more thing I'll say, I call out my own with a lot more authority than I call out others. And the reason for that is obvious because you can be more critical of your religion, which is why I always have said that there should be more voices of liberal, which is the point I made last time also, has to be from within the community. Otherwise, it is never going to be taken well. So I, I, th I think that's too basic and uh, a thing for me to actually restate again and again. Uh, but uh, And if you go back and read my piece on Bill Maher and Islam, I have made the point that I do think that there is a certain illiberalism in uh, Islam fundamentally, uh, which has communicated itself in various ways. And Miraj may not agree with me and I may not agree with him, but that's fine. That's that's life. No, I agree. I have said that. Because the, like I was uh, talking about the that theological aspect of blasphemy, for example. Mm. See, one is religion. One is religious thought. So what you see in extremism, for example, in Pakistan, in Afghanistan, that is rooted in religious thought that got solidified in the last 700, 800 years, starting from Imam Abu Hanifa. The, what happened in Islam is when Islam came, one was the religion, one was the Prophet's teaching. So the Quran and the Prophet's teaching was the religion. Over time, as happens with every civilization, as happens with every religion, over time, for some reason, the Islamic idea of, like the idea of Islam became too legalistic. So Islam produced this, Muslims produced these great legal minds over the centuries, starting in the first, second centuries, and they codified these laws. So right now, for example, when you, I call my, I'm a, for example, a Hanafi or another is a, another is a Shafi, another is a Hanbali. You have those sects. What are those sects? They're basically legal. Those are different legal interpretations of Quran, not theological interpretations, legal interpretations of Quran. So that is how it's solidified. And that created a, a religious thought and that religious thought which sort of has been I suppose the most well articulated by Maulana Madhudi which you call Islamism or Islam Islamism yeah or political Islam so that is the religious thought which has dominated over the last 70-80 years why because the political conditions were such it came it came out within a political context Islam in the last 1400 years has produced four or five people who basically reinterpreted the whole religious thought. I mean, people have done legal, legal, legally separately. Why it has happened is, I mean, you often hear this idea of takfiri, takfiri like Muslims are allowed to kill other Muslims if they don't believe in it. How did then that come about? Imam Abu Taymiyyah. So he was this theologian in 13th century Syria. What happened is at that time, the Mongols came and sacked Baghdad. Then those Mongols became Muslims. And because they hadn't yet accepted Islam or whatever the tradition was until then, the Muslims, Muslims usually didn't fight with each other. But these guys didn't accept that. They used to fight against other Muslims also. And Imam Abu Taymiyyah believed that they shouldn't be fighting against the rulers of Egypt who were at that time. They wouldn't listen. The king wouldn't listen. So he issued this fatwa saying that you are allowed to kill Muslims also. And that has become the sort of the legal precedent that everybody from Al-Qaeda to ISIS, justify to Taliban the side, justify that. That came in the 13th century. So they're using that to justify 
today. Exactly. Yes. So similarly, Maududi's thought is, came in response to what was happening. The British Empire was winding up. Muslims had lost political power in the subcontinent. The caliphate had wound up in Turkey. So they were just looking at what happened. How do you regain power? And their interpretation was political Islam. You have to politicize Islam. And that religious thought created all this extremism. So we have a mail regarding that on Dheeraj also. Manisha, you want to come in before I, think, I move? I mean, no one can make the case that Islam is like the most beautiful religion and there's no flaw in it. Of course, there are flaws in it and none of us have ever portrayed it as this holy cow, holy cow of religion. Even when you look at caste, you look at in India, uh, it's not as if caste only impacts Hindu society, by the way. It impacts Muslim and Christian society. You look at the difference in the Sayyid and the Ashrafs who you know, maybe make it to Lok Sabha or occupy all positions of importance and compare it to Paswanda Muslims that are backward Muslims. It's nowhere. It's terrible. And uh, I'm sure in terms of marriages also, I mean, I haven't delved deep in it, but I'm sure in terms of marriages, you would not, even uh, Muslims in India would probably practice the same sort of intercaste, quote-unquote, practices that Hindus do. They do. You have Christians, you have Christians who have separate churches for Dalits, in yeah, Sardar, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I can't use the word, but there is a word which is the casteist word which yeah. is illegal to use. They have that preceded with Sardar. They use that yeah, yeah. in Punjab and all even, the time. Yeah. In fact, uh, that, which was that Sikhism, film... which was the whole religion is about fighting, uh, you know. Yeah, which was that film where they, the Sikh, where he cuts off the head, it was uh, Patal Lok only, na? where this, this, the Jat Sikhs come and yeah, cut yeah, off yeah, that yeah, guy's, yeah, yeah. they rape his mother and yeah, cut off his yeah, head. Yeah. So, I mean, even, ca and caste is, I think, in... It's a South Asian problem, it's not just Indian Muslims. You'd find this also in, I'm sure, Pakistan and Bangladesh also. The thing where I would not really argue with, I think you need more Muslims to have this conversation because, A, I don't have a skin in the game. It's not my religion. I care about what's happening to Hinduism. It's as simple as that for me. I care about how people interpret our scriptures and our festivals and where that is going and what impact Hindutva is having on Hinduism. I think this conversation is maybe we need more Muslims who ha who disagree with each other talk about uh, it. And, and 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 also I haven't read enough. Like no, I honestly I haven't I just, read the Quran to really know I whether want, that's know? what I want to talk about. I think more than you know, not having skin in the game or not having, you know, is now I grew up in a very Hindu household. I am quite proud that I know the Mahabharata and every little character of the Mahabharata from a Barbarik to a you know the importance of Ghatot Kach and how he was responsible for Arjun having survived and uh, you know the the, the casteism inherent in that because I know that story so well. So I was telling my niece and nephew the other day, much to my mother's chagreen, ch 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 which she was quite upset. I was saying that the Mahabharata is a story of what Bhai Bhati Jawad ko? Nepotism. nepotism. I was saying that nepotism had, had you know, Barbarik not been shafted, had Eklavi not been shafted, had Karn not been shafted, Arjun would not be the greatest warrior ever. Because Barbarik could have defeated Arjun, Eklavi could have defeated Arjun, this Rakshas, uh, Bhim's son, Hidimba's son could have defeated Arjun. And you see how the Guru or Krishna or someone plays them that you cannot fight because you are not this caste, you are Sarthi's son, you are this, you are that. So, now I know the scripture really well. So, I can critique it. I have never read the uh, Quran and I have no interest in reading the Quran. I have not read the Bible, I have no interest in reading the Bible. I have not read the Torah, kehta, na? Torah. I have not read the Torah, I have no interest in reading the Torah. If I read it at some point or if Ramanand Sagar makes an art, uh, a serial <laughs> and I watch it, then I'll give my VTs on it. I, I don't... Yeah, and I think... But you're right. I agree to the point that there needs to be more 
open conversations on Islam. And in India, of course, we have the largest populations of Muslims. So maybe in popular media also, there needs to be more discourse between Muslims who disagree with each other, how they view their religion, blasphemy, hijab. But let's be realistic, it cannot practices. happen in this environment. In this environment, any step back would, like, I, I don't think by itself, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Ram Temple's demand. But I know for a fact that is it is not because the idea is not the temple. The idea is completely different. It is much bigger. Which is why the context in which a conversation happens is important, which is the point I think Hartosh also made. No, also, I mean, it's not that these conversations are not happening. It's just that because the media doesn't care and you only get, like I said, you get this idea from the headlines. Like these conversations are happening. There are revivalist movements, yeah. like I said, about the Farai school. It's a huge movement now. It has like basically turned upside down the religious thought of what I was talking about, the Maududi thought. It's turned it upside down and it's happening. It's spread all over the world, US, UK, Australia. I mean, it's still in its nascent states, but it's happening. It's yeah. just in because fact, remember, people don't care about it. That's all. I remember Irfan Khan who had put out a critique of Qurbani and where he said that the point is not to sacrifice a goat. It's really to, you know, sacrifice. It's, give it's up more to do with give up something that you love and it's more to sort of go within yourself and it's just become a mindless ritual now. But you will not listen to him. You want to listen to Tariq Fateh who will show you fake pictures of Bangladesh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And say, they go khun ki nadiya bheri hai in mm. old Delhi mein. So it's, the, it's yeah, a problem with exactly. the media also. No, Intelligent critique of Islam the, the, also needs to be the read. The fact that people like Tariq Fateh and that Vivek Agnihotri yeah. have moved not just from the Republic and the Times. Now they've moved on. To, uh, Agnihotri was on India Today TV. Now if, th if those are the voices that yeah. inform your population... Or Madhu Kishwar saying things like, Yo, you converted for the bag of rice or whatever. Anyway, she's a nut. We should actually talk if you to her. Have to, if you have to read the most scathing cri criticism of Islam, Islamic thought, listen to these like Islamic scholars. Hmm. Absolutely brutal. I mean, no Tariq Fatah can come anywhere near them. Absolutely brutal. But they will not find but because space. you don't know about that, so you assume that's not happening. Another thing what Manisha said about casteism in Islam, for example, that ties into my point. India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Muslims also have, have casteism, if not the caste system. Nowhere else in the world Muslims yeah, have this. Yeah, okay. So is it a religious problem? Elsewhere they have racism, other stuff. Sure. Is it a religious problem? No, it's, it's a, a social-cultural problem. problem. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, then Aditya Ranganathan writes, Hello NL team. Hafta letters over the past few weeks show clear discomfort in the subscriber base whenever the privileges of upper caste Hindu get challenged. In particular, I would like to respond to the letter by Prakash Shahir last week where the subscriber equates Dalit oppression by upper caste Hindus to Hindus being oppressed by Muslims in the past. A questionable claim. The letter goes on to cite Bangladesh and Pakistan, two sovereign nations that have nothing to do with the Indian Muslim, as sources of Hindu angst. Holding an Indian Muslim constantly answerable for problems faced by minorities in other Muslim countries is appalling and akin to insinuating that their natural homeland isn't India. To compare atrocities on Dalits to cherry-picked instances of violence by Muslim rulers in medieval India is an attempt to falsely paint all sides as equally disadvantaged. Subjugation of Dalits isn't a thing of the past. It is very much a reality in today's India. The truth is that be it a medieval India or today, the upper caste Hindu has always been a privileged group, regardless of the identity of those in power. That Muslims historically oppressed Hindus is a selective argument that the right wing uses to demonize the Muslims living in India today, conveniently ignoring equally violent non-Muslim rulers. The letter goes on, to put the onus of extending the olive branch on a community that has been abused and humiliated on a daily basis based on notional medieval wrongdoings. As privileged upper caste Hindus living overseas, it is hard for us to fathom the humiliation and otherization felt by minority groups in India today 
to put the onus of reconciliation on the minorities is arrogant and fails to acknowledge the power asymmetry historically and contemporary the indian muslim today is the oppressed class and so is a dalit living in current day india there is no real equivalence between dalit groups asking for reservation and a hindu upper caste vandalizing a mosque one is a long oppressed also currently oppressed group fighting for a more equitable society while the other is driven by the bloodlust of a historically privileged majority fueled by propaganda the art of premeditated centrism lies in constructing such false equivalences where both sides are assumed to be equally powerful or disadvantaged in order to appear balanced till we wholeheartedly acknowledge these power asymmetries we continue to fuel bigotry and violence intellectually aditya thank you aditya and just one more email on the same subject you have something to say before i move That's on to that as well put as Mm. anybody can maybe we can hold a series when after the lockdown or something on. yeah we should just get like lots of i think we should have you two, know different voices like maybe we should have two three big events with our subscribers yeah no i was talking about this whole muslim the the concept of critique of islam so maybe we can actually like host a series of people atheists maybe liberals conservatives muslims to talk about what they feel about maybe mm. that's a space that should be owned you know because there's so much crap thinking and yeah, cliched because, uh, so sort of See, this is how it works, right? And it can be frank, you know. Javed Akhtar, for example, is a self-described atheist. He mm. is an atheist. <laughs> he is the only person <laughs> who is brought on to talk hai. about Muslims. And he, yeah, and he, yeah, he's an, correct. Yeah, it's just I think it's the the and, way. But but even Javed Akhtar is an extremist for people. He's an <laughs> apologist of Islam. The guy is like. So Dhirat says hi there. Critique Islam so much. I was quite intrigued by Mehraj's defense of Islamic countries with bad human rights record. It was quite fascinating to hear some of the countries that he mentioned were democracies that became autocracies. Fair point. My assumption is that he was alluding to the fact that they are autocracies. It is a non-argument if we compare India to these countries because it's obvious that moral authority of a democracy and the standard you would keep a democracy is way higher than an autocratic state. Fair game. If this is the case, then my view below is really irrelevant. But if he was using wars in these countries to justify atrocities against minorities as an act of war, then I'm afraid I'm finding it difficult to digest uh, what you were saying because the most significant of Islamic countries was not at war for more than hundred years. Gulf War affected Iraq and Kuwait. Not much of the rest of GCC. Not the rest of the GCC were really ever bombed. But yeah, Dheeraj, I mean, since you said that it was. not one or the other i think what mehraj was saying was a little more nuanced saudi arabia after the fall of the ottoman empire in 1919 thanks to its oil money managed to take its place in the sunni world and this country is regressive and is followed by a lot of islamic countries there is enough evidence on the support of mujahideen all over the world not just pakistan and afghanistan i'm not sure how mehraj will defend saudi uae and qatar just remember they are bombing the shit out of yemen anybody who knows the gulf knows Yemen despite being an arab state are different from its neighbors so i we already discussed this yeah, i think today yeah that's exactly what i said i mean it's mm. goodness not that it's legitimate what they are doing i mean mm. i believe unless and until the saudi monarchy is destroyed and i say destroyed with a lot Capital of D. consideration mm. you, you will always have these problems in the gulf elsewhere because they have that muscle they have the financial muscle that they can impact a lot of people all around the world So unless that is destroyed, that's like one of the greatest evils in this in world fact, right uh, now. You should watch this documentary. I'll give you a link, which explains that much of what's happening in the Middle East is basically Iran and Saudi just going at each other. A lot of the politics, the war, the violence is a result of those two states trying to establish some sort of hegemony in the Middle East. And Iran it's isn't so much going at it; they're more like responding to. Okay, so guys, Ashley, Himanshu, Yogesh, all your mails haven't been read yet. and we have so many mails this time and bimal and sagar there just a few 
so i will read your mails next time so can i just request our subscribers don't write mails this week just hold them let me finish these cuz i want to include as many as possible and from next week even a 401st word that mail will be aditya we will just eliminate it there only because i want more voices i want to hear more people i don't want to hear more of one person but uh, so uh, j- don't don't mail us this week uh, let me finish all these mails cuz some of them are really making very good points and i want to include as many as possible uh, and then you can start the cycle again from the week after that so manisha um, do tell us about the gdp numbers and how it was covered it was terrible <laughs> but pehle context bata do what is the um, number what is year on year what is annualized so that people know well annualized year on year was just a random i mean that was just an it cell entry into this the us calculates its numbers they annualize it and how they annualize is that they assume that for the next quarters the economy will continue to contract with the latest numbers so i think they contracted 9% you 9. assume 20%. that it keeps contracting and by the by march 2021 you are you've contracted 35% so people took that number and said oh look but 23 is better than 35 but india go uh, looks at quarterly uh, contractions and compares it to the previous quarter so previous our, year's quarter year previous on year's year. quarter so we are actually the worst and i think um, this is now there was a chart that the imf chief also put out yesterday yes. where we are the where at the we're worse than any other country we're near brazil and all right I, imf actually puts it lower than the official yeah. data official mm. is 23 point some percent mm. imf is 25.6 percent and what's worse is that this data was collected during the lockdown so it's suboptimal it would actually revise to worsen when they have better data the worst industries affected were construction which contracted to 50% trade hotels and other services 47 manufacturing 39 and mining 23 private consumption has fallen by 27% and investments have fallen to half what of what they were in the previous quarter and you know like you see these numbers and all that and you you're like struck by the percentages but i at least for the past 2 weeks 3 weeks have now started noticing changes around me in the people that come to my house and this is a story that scroll also put up saying that they did a phone survey the government did a phone survey and 68% of households in a phone survey have said that their income has fallen down and people have started skipping meals i know that the person who comes to my house to clean i mean for the past 2 3 days i noticed that she was just having roti with achar so she stopped carrying sabji that she would usually a sabji or a dal so you know you've cut down on that she told me that because she's so hard pressed she stopped you know uh, taking her medication also i have another person who comes to my house for work who's now moving back to where she was staying earlier in a slightly in a chawl sort of a place so she's moved she's moved up in her life with her savings over the past 2 years she now has to move back because she can't afford the rent her husband works at swiggy and you know you know what's happening with swiggy in fact you should read Venice piece that talks about the yeah protests that are going on people earning 300 an hour earning what 33 bucks per it's come down by so when you see these little changes that are happening around you you know people skipping meals not eating sabji dal not buying medicines not only are you seeing their consumption dip but imagine what that's doing to say the vegetable vendor but you're saying so many people some of the largest channels are airbrushing this and were saying it's not so yeah, bad yeah like so uh, arnab was like you know so he actually said don't spread paranoia there's a drug cartel in mumbai that you know um, peddles drugs and these people just want to peddle paranoia padmaja joshi was the best she's like uh, you know but this is a fact of life that this is happening and corona virus has done it and actually it's not the corona virus it's because we were already in a free fall before the corona virus because of which we've been hit hard and right now you should be asking the government the only way we can get out of this is government spending there's nothing else that can save us government has to give money right in the hands it has to create maybe construction projects 
which is what i was thinking actually maybe the central vista is a good idea now it employs no, people again, it's what nawabs would do no that's how lucknow ka imambada was built <laughs> yeah, there was a famine we've so discussed this no, obviously you even uh, <laughs> then the spending the government spending uh, this quarter has increased by only 11% so they announced that 20 lakh crore package right much so, of it was not new whatever it was so the increase is only about 1 lakh crore just over 1 lakh 1 lakh crore in this kind of recession which is like nothing no, but so uh, they don't even have the money to spend yeah and but see, people actually go back to what they were 2 years ago it's really heartbreaking you know people who saved who risen up a certain income level have just gone there back there was a really fashion. heartbreaking um, story this morning on cnn and of course i mean kind of don lemon killed it by tearing up which just gets my goat when news anchors tear up like dude just read the news don't show me how emotional you are of people being evicted because they had got that kya kehte hain when they had got a leniency not home mortgage ha like they had not waiver but the, you know the ha yeah, yeah. Uh, deferred payments uh, they had they had said that it is extended by this month but uh, whatever is that economic term that they are using there but now the judge has said you have to evict so the cop who was evicting them and here you know for all that you say about america at least the cop can talk to a camera and say yes i feel really bad doing it is i have six children of my own and i have an old mother and i'm evicting women who who are like 80 i'm evicting a guy with two children all he has is a pram so he's just putting and the cop has he says i have to evict 12 people today because this is the judge has sent me this and this is my job i don't enjoy it but this is happening there in america and and you know the guys who are coming out they say now we have no way to go now we will probably go to some shelter or some this thing so but the, what you said about the central vista a what you should what america is saying is this is a good time to rebuild their infrastructure which is crumbling mm-hmm. their bridges and all so if you want to do it बिल्ड बड़ी ट्वेंटी अदर एम्स ना उसमें सीमेंट लगेगा उसमें बिजली लगेगी पाइप्स लगेंगी बिस्तरे लगेंगे हम हमें दे दो हमें कॉन्ट्रैक्ट हम हम मैट्रेस बना लेंगे यहाँ से यहाँ कितने कबूतर आते हैं मेरी बिल्डिंग में उनके ब्लडी फेदर्स आप एवरी वे ब्लडी क्लटरिंग अप द होल कॉरिडोर्स हम ही उसकी मैट्रेस बना के तुम्हें बेच देते हैं सेंट्रल से क्या होगा What you choose to make also shows your mindset, na? Yeah, don't be the Lucknow Nawabs building an Imam Bada for. Also, um, yeah, I mean, I'm also so the Congress spokesperson on Aaj Tak at least was very prepared. She ambushed. Anjana was discussing China, and of course they spread fake news. They showed a cemetery from 1962 war and said, "Ye Galwan Valley ke yodha hai." And um, she, you know, she cornered Sambit with good facts and figures, and Sambit just went into this usual rant of. एंटीनेशनल हो तुमने चाइना में कितने मरे क्यों नहीं बोलते एंड एंकर्स लेट दम गेर अवे विद इट इट्स सो डिसहार्टनिंग इट्स इट्स आई मीन दिस इज समथिंग इफ यूर होटल मैनेजमेंट स्टूडेंट एंड दिस गोट अफेक्ट सो मनी पीपल यू नॉट गोट गेट अ जॉब इन दिस इंडस्ट्री यू यू लूज वन एंड यू वॉन्ट इवन गेट वन आई डोंट थिंक दीज इंडस्ट्रीज कैन क्रिएट जॉब्स फॉर द नेक्स्ट वन और टू ईयर्स द वे देव कॉन्ट्रैक्टेड दिस इज द मोस्ट हार्ड ब्रेकिंग पार्ट अबाउट इट लाइक यू टू सेट दीज स्टोरीज पीपल आर जस्ट लाइक हैव नो ऑप्शन पीपल आर डेस्परेट but you still see these people obsessed about numbers us mein itna hua yahan pe itna hua because it doesn't directly affect them at least not in the immediate term their job is still there they're still on tv other people they don't have that luxury so this whole idea oh we'll talk about this we'll talk about the numbers this is i mean this shows you you the class huge huge class disparity in this country what these people are worried about and what's actually happening there on the ground so um on that note we shall wind this up we didn't get time to discuss the facebook bit but what happened was basically the parliamentary committee questioned uh, the head of facebook ajit mohan and the bjp is accusing facebook of being pro congress 
and they are digging up some old links he had. I think he's from JNU or something, or they are following something. Ki, uh, meanwhile, the other side is, and they are saying that Akhi Das's father-in-law was with the TMC, and then Congress is saying that they were the BJP. And in all this, Australia, we had discussed that the law that they passed. I saw a really interesting interview on what they say, BBC, where what this woman, she's an academic who does work on this. She says, so what Australia has done is it has passed a legislation that Facebook has to share the ad revenue they get with the legacy media outfits whose news is shared on Facebook. They said we will don't want to share. We will not even we will not show their f- news on news. Facebook. Khatam baat. Now this woman says, well, people may think this is a good thing. What it does is, A, that legislation did not take into account smaller media players. And Australia is in any case a very concentrated media market. They're just three or four big players where everybody gets their news from. And Australia is also one of the highest markets where people consume news through Facebook. So with the big media players out of the picture and smaller ones not getting a share of the revenue anyway, the market is open for fake news peddlers. So what she said was, that this will mean that now most Australians will start falling more for fake news. So because this becomes such a complicated matter, I think the only way to do is it has to, these big companies have to be dismantled or broken up into smaller ones. But Facebook, what will they do with Google? I'm wondering. We are more dependent on them. Na? YouTube has been videos are videos. But I, I suppose they're pushing back because if it happens in Australia, it can happen elsewhere also. Absolutely. So, but uh, I read, which is the other view, which is that in Australia, for example, people mostly use Facebook for news. So if they don't show you any news, Facebook is pretty much useless for you. They may go back to regular news. That's a good idea. Actually, I hope that happens. But so it's Facebook's yeah. loss also. But they're pushing back because if it happens oh, yeah. there, it All can the happen elsewhere. So guys, uh, just a couple of announcements. One is the Taranga soap we are giving to subscribers only. If you still want it, you can write into us at contact at newslaundry.com. Uh, also, we're going to be unveiling a bunch of new funky stuff. It's only going to be for subscribers, just letting you know. So it's not for everybody. Those of you listening to this hafta for free, well, enjoy it for the next few weeks. Then we're moving behind the paywall as we move to a new website. And uh, do contribute, pay to keep news free. And like Manisha said, if you can't afford to pay, at least share our stuff with other people. Yeah, especially with your friends and family. Because I that's guess. who... So like, don't share with your enemies. Like normally, no, no, actually, Manisha. I always forget because with journalists, you're always sharing stuff with... Like because I'm a journalist, I'm always sharing it with other journalists. That's I mean, right. I rarely ever share stuff with my friends and family. I thought you go... As, just, as you go outside office. Listen, you've program. No, in <laughs> journalist life, there are three things. There are journalist friends, then there are friends and family. so uh, yeah on that note uh, all the emails that got left behind we shall read next time so don't mail us this week listen to our emails next week and you can mail us the week after that Uh, let's have the uh, recommendations Mehraj let's start with you Uh, I'll recommend this piece in the Guardian it's a the long read it's about this network of terrorist groups sponsored by US and the military regimes they put up in Latin America during the 70s and 80s, which went around killing, torturing, raping people and how gradually they're being brought to justice. It's called Operation Condor, the illegal state network that terrorized South America. So this is an old piece in Vox, Flood the Zone with Shit, how misinformation overwhelmed our democracy. So Steve Bannon, who headed Breitbart News and he was strategist for Donald Trump, had said back in, like when they were 
strategy in 2018 when he was working with Trump that Democrats don't matter. The real opposition is the media, and the way to deal with them is to flood the zone with shit. I really think we should read this because this is what is happening in India. We are being flooded with shit. Except the media is not the problem. Media is part of the shit. So you have social media, IT cell, and you have like prime time anchors who are flooding our life with shit. And uh, to counter this, I think there's another piece that. you must read in the print by asim ali he makes a very good case of uh, why we should not give into cynicism so even though we are being flooded with shit it's important to keep our you know head above it not be cynics and fight back in whatever way we can that piece is really good the yeah. steve ban one actually when this whole thing started about us fell 30% here it is only 23% that's the first thing i that came yeah. to my mind i mean this is when that's textbook It's, it's really he's uh, I mean in fact Richard who we've done a conference with for Media Rumble Dispatches he says that you know he, Steve Bannon is like the McDonald's franchise so everyone's following that model now but it's in the real case this is actually what's happening there's just so much and we have, we're going to have a great piece up by Saturday by Nidhi we've spoken to some of the people who have social media pages up that are spreading misinformation and that you know those justice for Shushan sort of pages so to get you into the mind of the people who are doing this So I'd like to recommend the book and so uh, you know I'm sorry I don't recall your name but I couldn't read your email last time you had said that uh, you know when we have someone like Suraj Yengde on the hafta we should be better prepared so we can ask him about his book actually the hafta is not a detailed interview format that is you know just a general chit chat I've done a separate interview with him on his book after having read his book and that's the book I want to recommend Cast Matters it's a uh, it's really a troubling read and it puts so many things in perspective and it also I think it it shows you caste privilege in a way where those of us who have it don't have internalized it to such an extent we don't even realize realize how powerful it is and it starts off as a deeply personal piece and goes on to a very academic piece so I would highly recommend that piece a book it's called Caste Matters it's by Suraj Yengde uh, that's my recommendation and I don't know if you can find it but this interview with this lady academic this media analyst from Australia on the BBC uh, she was on. on tuesday morning uh if you can check it out uh, i think that's also a, a good interview to watch on that note we shall leave you do subscribe and pay to keep news free those of you who haven't subscribed yet loosen your purse strings and uh, support independent media goodbye good luck i'll leave you with this song to uplift your spirits a little bit podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 